All right, welcome in, folks. It's Tuesday. I'm Drew Berkwist. This is my show. Damn glad to be with you. Man, another big day ahead on the program. Welcome to everyone over on Rumble. So glad to be here with all of you guys. Uh, it's going to be a great show. We got Dinesh D'Souza coming up. Just, just here in a little bit. Stick with us. He's coming up. Going to be talking police state. We got Bobby Barak coming by from OutKick. I love OutKick, by the way. I love what Clay's doing there. I don't know Clay well, just full transparency, but I know Buck, who's his radio partner, you know, a, a good friend. And so I kind of fell into what Clay was doing at OutKick. I love everything they're doing over there. Oh, it's a very interesting platform. They've got some of the best writers there, and I like the way that they they, they not only cover sports, but they also call it, uh, cover gambling as well. And but the, the, it's it, they bring in the fusion of politics and sports because now there's no separation anymore. We used to be able to watch sports with no politics, and so they're very they're very into pop culture and how that relates to politics, which I, I think is really cool about that side. No, it really, it blends everything. I yeah. mean, the only thing they're missing is like grandma's soup recipes and some, <laughs> some stuff like that. Uh, we'll talk to them over. We'll talk to Bobby. We'll talk to Bobby in a little bit. He's coming up later on at seven. Make sure folks, if you're here on rumble, we're so glad you're here. Make sure you are subscribed. Rumble.com forward slash Drew Berkwist. If you're here, if you're, that's for people who are on YouTube and else places, other places, uh, there's not many of you left because no one lets anyone see anything anywhere else. But make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button as you're coming in. Tons to get to today. As we mentioned, we got the, the great guests coming up. Going to hit some headlines in a second here. Talk police state with Dinesh. We're going to Bob, Bobby's article was really interesting, too, because there's all these protests happening uh, throughout the country in support of Hamas, in support of Palestine. And they're happening, a lot of them, on college campuses. He had an interesting take, which was, hey, let's let them keep going. Don't silence them. Don't shame them. Let them keep showing who they are. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got an update on Israel coming. Liz Cheney says that she might run for president. She didn't expressly <laughs> say that, but I just wanted to start it off with a little comedic value. Uh, imagine that. That chick lives in the weirdest fantasy world ever. You talk about somebody living in a bubble. It's Miss Piggy, bro. She is in this weird bubble all into of her own. It's like daddy keeps telling her she's doing a good job. Keep telling me, Daddy. No, let's not go down that path. Let's not go down the Daddy path. Uh, let's do go down this path real quick. Before we get started, this first hour is brought to you commercial-free. This is the last thing I'm going to say until we make the turn at 7 o'clock Eastern tonight. Bidenomics is not working. It's not working at all. There's there's everyone, and there's all this stuff going on. You can experience, you've seen it, right? You've seen it. You've felt it in your bank accounts. It is a disaster out there. You mix in global conflict like we have. The prospect of world war, whether it starts in this region or that region or some other region, there's a lot of opportunities out there, right? Point being, things aren't great. There's reason to be optimistic. I'm not saying to, to just sell everything and, and, and go down this negative Debbie Downer road, but there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. And one thing you should absolutely be concerned about is your 401k. Whether it's a 401k, IRA, your hard-earned savings are at risk. Here's the good news. My good friends over at American Alternative Assets have your back. You can call them, get a free wealth protection guide, learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar and volatile markets, all with gold and silver IRAs. Dial that number on the screen. 833, the number two, USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. You're going to be so glad you did. And see, we're done. We're, we're right back onto the show. See how easy that was? Let's get into some news before we get to Dinesh real quick. Let's do the news cruise. 
happened. It happened, Tom. Perry Johnson did it. <laughs> he suspended his presidential campaign. He put out this tweet. He said this in the tweet. Having suspended my campaign, I'm officially endorsing at real Donald Trump for president of the United States. We must beat Joe Biden to save this country, and Donald Trump is the only candidate who can do it. My full statement is below hashtag MAGA. Okay, that's great, Perry. I'm not, I'm not uh, opposed to your support of President Donald Trump whatsoever. Here's my question. Who the hell are you? <laughs> who are you? I've suspended my... I love you make this big decree, and I'm putting my weight behind. He put out this, this formal statement and letter here. But he puts, he puts this out as if everyone's, like, waiting with bated breath for it. I literally, I've heard the name before. I'm not super familiar with it. But I know most people who saw it come across their Twitter feed were like, wait, who? Who are you? <laughs> right? I mean, no one knows who Perry is. No. I mean, the only reason why I know the name Perry Johnson is because of the Michigan gubernatorial race, where Tudor Dixon got the, um, the Republican nomination over Perry Johnson. That's how I was familiar with his name. But you know what? For me, I really like kind of like fringe people. <laughs> I know, you're a Doug Burgum fan. <laughs> yes. yes. And Perry was one of those kind of fringe folks that, you know, that I like to pay special attention to because everybody else focuses in on the shiny thing and starts, you know, gathering around it and trying to figure it out where I'm just like, okay, yeah. what's on the peripheral? Let's, let's kind of hang there. I find those people to be a bit more interesting. Yes, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. You've, you've gotten me excited about Bergamania. Again, Doug Bergam not going to win anything other than maybe an eyebrow contest or, or something like that. Appreciated his hustle when we were in Milwaukee. He, he, did he tear his Achilles? Something significant, Yeah, playing right? basketball. Yeah, and, and then still made it up on the debate. I mean, that's like an epic movie moment limping up there. Um, but these fringe characters, they get, they, uh, they're, they're interesting. They're not going to do anything, but they're, but they're interesting nonetheless. I just got a kick out of it because I, I was reading the statement. I'm like, I don't, who the hell are you? Yeah. By the way, still tragic that Tudor lost to Gretchen Whitmer. I can't believe that Michigan would vote it. And I know there's concerns about elections and all that. I'm not, I'm not skirting that issue or saying that it's not happening. But I just can't believe that you would vote in one of the most tyrannical governors in history in Gretchen Whitmer. Remarkable. You had Perry Johnson there who said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my weight behind. You don't have any weight. There's no weight there. But I'm going to put my, my weight behind Donald Trump. And speaking of Trump, wait until this is the distorted mind of the left. Wait until you hear what Nicole Wallace had to say about the state of the world and how it would be if Trump were still in office. Take a listen to this. You know, I, I am interested in what Liz Cheney says, Mary, but I'm more interested in when she says it. And it was interesting to me that she was out yesterday. I mean, she, it's the first time she's spoken since Trump celebrated Hezbollah, called them, quote, very smart. Um, it's the first time she's sort of made an appearance since some of this new reporting has come out. John Carl had some of it, and, and we had it here, here um, when that first broke. Um, and it's the first time that I think a broad coalition of Americans realizes that if Donald Trump were president right now, the world would be a much, much more dangerous place with the Middle East on a, on a hair trigger, um, with threats of violence at home, with Jewish American communities, with Muslim American communities terrified right now. The country probably couldn't handle 
a Trump presidency, wherein his own chief of staff described him as, quote, the most damaged human being he'd ever seen, and a couple of defense secretaries were out the door for cause, for things they saw that gave them concern about U.S. national security. How do you assess this moment, again, about 12 months ahead of another presidential election? Hold up. You're, you're, listen to yourself. Just speak for a second. You're saying that the world would be a much more... Da- and, she, and she said it with conviction. She said yeah. it like, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% certain of this, that the world would be a more dangerous place if Donald Trump were in office. Where the hell were you during his, his, first, his only term, 2016 to 2020? The world, everyone predicted, right? Everyone predicted what you said there, Nicole. It's going to be World War Three with Donald yeah. Trump. Everything's going to explode. Everyone's going to be fighting. There's going to be death and carnage everywhere. And guess what? There was none of any of that. You had the Abram Accords. You had him on foreign po- Really, he was stellar on foreign policy. And this is not, if, if you're all in on Trump on everything, look, we're not a Trump show. We're not an anti-Trump show either. I love Trump. I love Trump, but but we pick on everyone. We pick on everyone on both sides, and increasingly so more people on the right as of late, uh, just because of how frustrating and, you know, they are. And they're deserving of it. 100% they are. <laughs> yeah. But but no one gave credit for his foreign policy. No one gave credit for any of that stuff. We didn't get into more wars. We got out of them. We didn't we didn't start World War III. Now we're, we have the, we're facing the prospect of, of potentially a three-front war if all goes to shit. Now, hopefully it doesn't. I mean, no, none of us are hoping for that, obviously. But, but to say that the world would be more dangerous if Donald Trump was still in office, is the mo- it's one of the more laughable things I've heard this year. And that, keep in mind, it's 2023. Nothing that anyone says can be taken seriously anymore. And that's still just freaking hilarious to me. No, it's like, first of all, she doesn't know anything of of how the world would be if Donald Trump was still in office. Second of all, this reminds me of people who are like, who got the vaccine and then later got COVID and said, thank God I got the vaccine because my symptoms weren't, wouldn't be as bad if I didn't, if I wasn't vaccinated. Well, how would you know that? You wouldn't know that. You're just saying that to make yourself feel better. That's the bottom line to it. And the same thing with her. You know, Nicole Wallace is part of this whole sort of, you know, these war pig ghouls in Washington and in New York who just want to make sure that the United States is the world police and always active in some sort of conflict. You know, she's cut from the same cloth as like the the Victorian Newlands of the world. And especially now with her working the media, the media loves conflict and war, and they didn't get that with Trump. So they've been jonesing for the last five years to get into something so everybody can go overseas and put on their little body armor with press on it and their little, you know, helmet. Did you see that photo? The The photo of... uh... Uh, I think Poso put it out, um, and it's got the one chick. She's got a freaking helmet on. She's got her vest on, all, all like, press kitted out with Gaza in the background. And then and then in the foreground, you've got her buddy <laughs> yes. who's just wearing, like, a Columbia shirt and a hat, like, just super Take, chill. Yeah, he's taking a picture of yeah. her with his iPhone. He's, yeah. like, eating a burger and, like, doing – yeah. it's I don't know. That, I don't, that was like a, like a boob squeeze there. I don't know what that was. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's – it, it's it's so true. I mean, that, that, that here's the deal. I mean, at the end of the day, we just live in different worlds, different realities. You because we, and we see that right. We can say whatever we want. So can they. And both sides are like, are you f- flipping crazy? 
I'm treating it like we have the cuss jar here for some reason. I don't know why I, I have <laughs> monitored myself multiple times here. That's kind of out of character for me. But but are you crazy? Like this is this this is the world we live in, though. You cannot get through to someone like Nicole. Her view of the world is her view of the world. It is distorted. It is stupid. It is wrong. It is going to get us all in a in a if not killed in a very perilous situation at some point. But but that is her view of the world. That's where. That's yeah. where they are. And, and vice versa, they look at us like, can you believe Drew's a terrorist? No, I used to hunt terrorists for the government. That's what I was trained and paid to do. And now you guys are so dumb that you think that us, people who love this country, love the Constitution, are extremists. It makes zero sense, but you can't get through to them. No, Nicole Wallace is just John Bolton with more facial hair. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that. That's a great, that's a great. So, by the way, you got some props yesterday. We're talking about, um, and, and don't, don't let the squad, we're going we're gonna to get through another clip or two here, and then we're going to bring Dinesh on. But don't let the squad leave your mind, because we were talking about them yesterday. It's going to come into question of the day here in a little bit. But don't let the squad leave your mind, because Tom, Tom had a great um, term, new, new title for them, if you will, yesterday. And I've gotten lots of comments about it. It, is, it has been well-received, my friend. We're talking about it. We're slamming Ilhan and Rashida and all the dumb bitches in the squad. And, and Tom's like, hold up. It's not the squad. I'd like to now on refer to it as the Freedom, or excuse me, the Hamas caucus. Um, and, and now that's f forevermore what they will be known as. The Hamas caucus. Hamas caucus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, they their cards are on the table. There, there's no, there is no doubt which side of this whole conflict that they fall on. Right. No, it, it's clear as day. It's clear as day for a lot of people. Again, that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Bobby later on in the show too, uh, because everyone is put the saving grace of this crazy ass planet that we live on now is so many people are saying, "Here's where I fall. Here's where I fall," and you know. And, and it's disturbing to know sometimes what you know and what you see. But, but man, it's, it, that is one of the silver linings. It's still uncomfortable. It's not, I don't love it. But, but to know, okay, you're a psycho whore beast. Cool. I'm going to put you in that bin. Right. You, you seem like you're reasonable. I'm going to put you in the reasonable person bin over here. Anyways, moving on. You had Perry Johnson saying he's endorsing Trump. You have Nicole Wallace making the laughable claim that if Trump were in office, the world would be, would be way more dangerous. That's the most categorically false statement that we'll probably make to, to, or we'll discuss today. Uh, but then sticking with Trump, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit. It's pretty light in here already. We got gin flowing. We got all sorts of stuff in, <laughs> in the studio going here. But you, you had Trump, who gave his speech in New Hampshire, and he imitated Joe leaving the podium. We talk about this all the time. The dude can't find his way off the podium. And he decided to, to go on a little rant about it. And I'll just, let's just sit back and watch it together. Let's enjoy this together. This was Trump doing Joe Biden leaving the stage. Or find his way off a stage. He can't find his way off a stage. You ever see the makes a speech, if you call it that. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, thank you. <laughs> screaming at him. They're saying, no, you got there, you got there. He can make a bad speech, but you got to be able to see, you know, you came in here, I can even go out there, I see there's an exit there, exit here, you got exits all over. It's unbelievable. 
It is, it is unbelievable. You are right, sir. That is uh, an accurate statement indeed. Again, put some damn. I mean, it, it, I've, we've worked in studios a lot. You more than I have, but put put some. If it's dark, put some glow in the dark arrows. Put if it's not dark, just put some big ass red arrow. Something on the ground that points the direction. You've always given him note cards. Put something on his note card. Put something on the podium that's right here where no one can see. Leave this way. Like None of that works because he always reads the instructions. I know. <laughs> uh, brackets, uh, parentheses. Uh, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, I love that he's picking on him. And, and, look, there's times where I say, look, I don't, don't. Sometimes you cross the line. Not that I disagree with it and don't like it. I love his off-the-cuff stuff. I pretty much say whatever I think, whenever I think it, and and that's just how certain people roll. That's how he rolls. That's how I like to roll too. But I know that it doesn't work for everyone. So there's there's sometimes where some people will be like, well, he crossed the line there. Well, I think maybe you're gay, but like that's. I understand what you're saying. In this situation, like you gotta go for the jugular and pick on his health, his fitness. You've got to point out all these obvious things. Point out the obvious policy things first and foremost, because that's what affects everyone. Not everyone's going to get the jokes. They're not going to like the humor when it comes to... Because I get told that all the time. You're picking on old people. I'm not picking on old people. I love old people. I'm picking on the president of the United States, the so-called president of the United States. There is a standard that has to be upheld if you are in that role. You are not meeting the standard, Joe. You're not. So we're going to pick on you. And yes, your dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever's playing into it is a, is a factor 100%. Going to pick on that too. Does that mean we're picking on, I'm picking on other people with those awful situations and diseases? No, not at all. No. They're not the president. If someone in your family gets a, a, an awful diagnosis like that, you say, hey, let's, let's have a, a little sit down here. We're going to change things. We're going to change how we do life. We're going to, we might move you to this facility. We might do, you're going to make some drastic changes. You're not going to say, you know what? You could make a great president. Right. And march you out there pretending that, 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 pretending that everything is okay. And that's what we see with the media and the left. They're like, what? Joe Biden's totally fine. You know, he's got a stutter. You know, he used to have a stutter. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know where he is. And then he just, he trails off into these, uh, <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I don't, Anyways, don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, that, it, that's an issue. And to, like, pretend that it's not happening, it's like, come on. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's, uh, how, how no one cares about it is befuddling to me. I just don't get it. I, again, vote Democrat if you want. I, I, I strongly advise against it. But vote Democrat if you want. Don't like Trump if you want. Don't, you've got to do you. No, but. But everyone should be able to agree that there is a problem with this guy, Joe Biden, over here. You've got to look at the corruption. Look at his health. Look at his fitness. Look at, look at the fact that he's been gone 40% of his, his term. What, look at he, his chin. Look at his, yeah, look at his <laughs> testicular chin. It's, it, I mean, can you get testicular cancer in your chin? I'm not wishing it on anyone. I don't know if it's possible, but if anyone can get it, it's Joe because he clearly has... Some testicles in his chin <laughs> uh, it, it's a weird it's a weird thing it's a weird thing but you, you, the fact that no one is willing not no one the fact that so many aren't willing to come out and just call it what it is oh he's okay he's not that bad yes he is would you trust your kids and your family would you trust your own life in just basic situations with him no you wouldn't 
You wouldn't trust him to walk up the fucking stairs. So, so why would you trust him to run the country? And even if you say he's not running the country, I agree with you. Why would you trust him to be the face of the person who is supposedly running the country? There's just so many issues with it. So many. We could talk about it forever. Um, but we, we got to talk about this. Let's squeeze one last thing in before we bring Dinesh in. Um, Liz Cheney. Yes. Would you, would you, um, no. never mind, I'm just not okay. Uh, Liz well. Cheney, no, stop it. Liz Cheney uh, said in an interview that she hasn't ruled out running for POTUS in the 2024 election. Let's take a listen to this exchange right here. But if it came down to it, even though you disagree with Joe Biden on almost every issue under the sun, other than maybe Ukraine and Israel, would you vote for him over Donald Trump? We're going to see what, what happens. We're going to see how things unfold. I think Donald Trump is the single most dangerous threat we face. I would imagine that there will be a number of other candidates in the race. Um, would you be one of I them? Think, I'll tell you what, I'm, what I am definitely going to do. I'm going to spend the next uh, year between now and the election certainly helping to elect serious people, helping to elect sane people um, to of, Congress. Of both parties? Yes. Uh, because I think that, that we could well find ourselves in a situation, given what we know the Trump folks are doing in terms of attempting um, to question the results of the election, we don't want a situation where the election is thrown into the House of Representatives and Donald Trump has any possibility at all of prevailing under those circumstances. So we've got to elect people who believe in the Constitution and who take their responsibilities seriously to Congress. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time doing that, in addition to other things. But you're not ruling out a presidential run? No, I'm not. Okay, and we'll see you when your book comes out. Thank you. I look forward to it. Oh, please, please do me a favor. Don't buy her book. Don't buy her book. But she, deep down, her and her, her advisors, they actually think that people care about what she has to say. And you, you, can, you can tell that in, in her tone anytime she speaks, not just there, but anytime she speaks. Liz. You have no. You are among the most loathed GOP officials to come through in a long time. You've been there for a while, but your family history is not helping you. All of your actions, being part of a a produced, made-for-TV special on the January sixth investigation on the hill, like stop it. No one likes it. There's no chance in hell for that to happen. I agree that 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 there's a scenario out there. It's not a good one. I'm not supportive of it. I agree. There's a scenario out there. Uh, where where permanent Washington gets their way and Trump's not the the person, right? But the person's not going to be you. That would be awful. I can't think of anybody. Liz Cheney to me is the quintessential odious insider. She is everything that is wrong with D.C. and especially everything that's wrong with the Republican Party. Yeah, and she talks about Trump being a danger to the United States. Hello, look who your dad is. Look, look what sort of instability around the world that your dad ushered in. And then for her to talk about, oh, I'm only going to be supporting serious people. You know what? You're about as unserious as they come because you stand for nothing other than enriching yourself. Yeah. In promoting policies that they're totally fine with people on the left. You, you want to usher in this weird sort of, you know, Chicom 
hybrid of communism into the United States. You're all about that. She's, you know, she's one of the the leads of the Washington generals who's just, oh, you know, the old Republican Party. Well, golly gee, you know, at least we're losing with dignity. You know, it's time to sit back on the bench and, you know, wait for the fourth quarter to roll around. Yeah. By the way, for those of you here for the first time, we frequently refer to all of D.C., all of of the folks who so so called are you know representing us on the hill as the washington generals and particularly the republican party because that's what we are it's a fake opposition party who just gets their ass kicked time and time again like the washington generals no there's no i love um there's been some amazing comments on it um talk people saying how whoever she endorses will lose <laughs> staying salty if you give her red hair she she, she looks like that skank on the view uh, I think talking about Behar. Yeah. Yes. Great comment. Yeah, that's a good one. Great comment. Uh, by the way, we've got um, Joe's testicle chin here uh, just for your review. There it is again. It, it, it's like a it's like he was out on a football field and he, he like collided with a linebacker and the linebackers mouthpiece got embedded into his chin. Yeah. Something Does something like is could, awry. You I, could bite down on that like a retainer. And, and to be clear, again, for, for folks who are here for the first time, we don't just pick on everyone and their appearances or we just pick on ourselves all the time. <laughs> but you're the president. You've put yourself in this position, and you appear to have something on your chin that belongs somewhere else. I'm just saying, I just, I'm just, I'm not a doctor. Uh, my father was, but it's, it's not, I'm not, it's not, it's not like the stepbrother scene where you're a house of learned doctors. Um, but let's 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 transition here. Let's get to some some important discussion, because joining us now to discuss his latest film, Police State, is filmmaker, host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be here. I'm really happy to join you and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, I, I am, too. Uh, it's been a long time since we've 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 been able to connect and have you on. So I'm pumped to have you on. I know the audience is pumped to have you here. And I want to talk about the film, but I, as, as we kind of tee it up, I remember, I think we all do, not too far back in the past where you had Senator Chuck Schumer, who told Rachel Maddow that it would be a mistake for Trump to take on the intel community because they have six ways to Sunday to get to you. And as a member of, former member of the intel community, I can tell you that's true. But that's perhaps one of the most chilling sentences ever uttered on television. He laid out the cards, putting Trump and America on notice that we have this this whatever you want to call it, deep state, secret police, both, whatever. And you've got this new film that addresses a lot of these things. The trailer, a little bit terrifying, if you haven't seen it out there yet, folks. Terrifying in a real way, um, but certainly terrifying for, for the people in real life who've been sub, you know, subjected to these sort of over-the-top arrests, people who've, who have broken very minor laws or, worse yet, not broken any laws. Do, do you see, and I, I, we're going to go all over the place here because we're, we're a little scattered like that here, Dinesh, but do you see, I mean, is the FBI deliberately using tactics that don't meet the threat threshold for people that they're going after? And what would the reasoning be for that? What, what's your take on that? The, uh, the motives of the FBI, and I would extend it to the other police agencies of government. Let's remember, for example, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, 
I mean, is a giant compared to the FBI. It's 10 times bigger than the FBI in terms of a budget and the number of people who work there. And it is, by the way, very actively involved in censorship, political targeting. So let's speak generically about these uh, police agencies. I think that they have two motives. They have an ideological motive that is supplied by the Biden administration, which is to say by their superiors, who are directing them to do ideological prosecutions. These are our political opponents. These are who we count to be the bad guys. Your job is to kind of watch them, target them, find something they did, go after them. That's the ideological side. The other side is the, I would call it the bureaucratic side, which is that bureaucracies always look for reasons to justify themselves. And so after 9-11, it was, hey, you know, all of us expected major continuing events of terrorism. We're not really seeing that. And this is a problem because all our massive budgets that came in after 9-11 were based on that. So we kind of need some terrorism. And so now you have an incentive to start finding three guys at NYU, and yeah, they're Islamic radicals, but they are, haven't done anything. And you start planting ideas in their head. Hey, you're, you know, you're a big talker, but you know, if you really were a serious jihadi, you probably want to join ISIS. Yeah, man, but you know, I don't know how to do that. Well, there's a training camp coming up in Pakistan. Why don't you go to that? Well, I don't have any money. Well, what if somebody, what if we gave you a plane ticket? What if we found a way for you to go? Well, I don't have any weapons. Well, you got $500? What, what if you could find a gun for like $700? Would you consider maybe? So what I'm getting at here is you are luring people to do something that they would not otherwise do. They might be susceptible to the luring. What I'm getting at is that the FBI now, and again, it's not that they hate Muslims, they're not Islamophobes. They have a bureaucratic incentive to feed the machine that keeps the police state so well endowed and well funded and then when the police state shifts its priorities to conservatives patriots republicans then a whole different set of incentives kicks in and i think that is important to understanding the functioning of the police state yeah for sure and and obviously as you know very well i mean a reminder though for the audience these these organizations are chartered very it's very explicit very it's very clear that they are not supposed to be weaponized, politicized, any of these things. They're supposed to do X, Y, and Z tasks in defense of the nation and our, our country's national security and not venture into any of the territories that we've gone. It's, it's just crazy to see. And as someone who spent a lot of time in the federal government, specifically in the intelligence community, I, I, I know that the possibility was there. I know the capability was there. You know, you started to see, you see the Patriot Act we talk, talk about a lot in the show. And, and man, I was wrong about that way back when that first started, and I'm an idiot. Um, but I, re I do remember when DHS was formed thinking, this is a horrible idea. And then you've seen all this grow, and everything just has grown and festered to the point where we are now, where everything is so out of control that, that, that people are wondering, how the hell do we get our, our, ourselves out of this? How do we even fix this? And I'm jumping a, a little bit ahead because I want to get into a couple other points with you. But how do we fix this? Well, I mean, let's begin for just a moment by noting, as you say, the supreme irony. The left in the 60s and 70s was against the FBI. They were against the police agencies of government. They were against censorship. They were fighting for the First Amendment. So now you have to ask, how is it possible that this same group is now driving censorship, cheering the organs of censorship, responding bitterly when censorship things are taken down. Elon Musk buys X, you know, Twitter changes it to X, they freak out, they start going after Elon Musk. 
They've become like cheerleaders of the FBI. They stand in courtrooms where you got, you know, some 65-year-old grandmother who walked into the Capitol on January 6th and she gets in, you know, prison sentence and they're like, ha, 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 this is a triumph of democracy. I mean, how do you get such lunacy? And so you, I think I've identified that we've come to really a bad point. I think now you're asking, how do we get out of it? Well, yeah. it's not going to be one thing. It's not just about like we elect Trump, it's going to be over. No, <clears throat> the, you have to fight on many fronts. So censorship, I mean, there's an important case coming up before the Supreme Court. It's Missouri versus Biden. And, um, and the court is going to decide it next spring. And that for me is too long because think of it, there are millions of people who've been censored. There are millions of people being censored right now. The Supreme Court is saying, we're not going to stop that, but we will deal with it in like six months. But the court does have a chance to give a major dropkick to censorship. Now, it wouldn't stop Facebook and YouTube from doing their own censorship, but it would get the government's grubby paws out of it. And that would be a that would be progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's something the court can do. Now, obviously, you need the presidency to fix the executive wing of the government. If you want to remake the FBI, revamp the DHS, you need to have you need to be in charge of the executive branch. But there's a lot of things also that Republican governors, um, secretaries of state, attorneys general can do at the state level. So there are a number of institutions that are in play here. Uh, I think part of the problem here is the psychology of people on the right tends to be very conformist. Uh, and in fact, even when people on the right witness gangster-like behavior coming from the police agencies of government, they immediately forswear it and say, if we're in charge, we would never do the same. And that, of course, only stimulates the appetite and aggression of the left, because the left thinks, hey, listen, we can do it to you, and if we fail, no problem, because you, you would never dream of doing it to us. So the Republican, in a sense, is in a weird position of, in a sense, fortifying the police state simply by timidity, by acquiescence, by refusing to say, hey, two, two can play at this game. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is what the left counts on. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think to your point, uh, that's a point that I drive home a lot here. We are so responsible as conservatives in America, not just the representatives who are there, and representatives is the most loose term I've ever used in history because they don't really represent us. Uh, I don't think they get us whatsoever. But you, these folks who, 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 who are on our side, us included, Americans, conservatives, whatever you want to call us, a combination of both, we have let this happen because we, we have been so timid for so long and, and we've done it out of the goodness of our heart. This is how good people handle. I'm the type of person who drives through my neighborhood. I wave to everyone. And some of them don't wave back and it pisses me off, but that's another story. But it's like, I want to do the right thing. And that's kind of where we've been as conservatives for forever and a day in this country. But it's gotten us to this point and there's a balance. There's a way that you can be kind and still follow the laws and still fight back. And it was, you know, I, I experienced that as well overseas. You, the terrorists don't play by rules. We had rules we had to figure out. Okay, how do we figure out this weird balance here and how we're supposed to do things? Point being, though, we have, as a country, landed ourselves in this situation, uh, and, and particularly on our side, where we've just taken it. We've just, we've just taken it, and that's how we got here. Part of the problem, I think, is, is that the American character, and this is not a bad thing, is a certain kind of goofball innocence. You see it right back in Huckleberry Finn. It's sort of the, by and large, the idea is human nature is good. 
uh, yeah, some people sometimes get out of whack, and we kind of, but you know, we believe in like pendulum swinging back and things returning to normal. You know, so a lot of it, and a lot of the purpose of this film is to show you the landscape as it is now. I mean, think about, you know, Jimmy Stewart and the man who shot Liberty Valance. You know, his idea is that there may be some gangsters out there, but, you know, I'm a man of the law. I believe in the law book. So when somebody else pulls a gun, I whip out my law books. I make a complaint. I write a memo. You know, and that works if you're in a small town with a good sheriff. But if you go out in a covered wagon out west, you're encircled by outlaws. They've got long guns. They want to burn your homestead and rape your wife and kill your kids. And then you say, oh, you know, I'm not going to go for my gun. I'm better than that. I'm a man of principle. I'm going to go look for a law book. You know, then you would be deranged because yeah. you have yeah. no grasp of the situation in which you find yourself. So a lot of what I'm trying to do in this film is to show you we're not living in the old America that you grew up in. Uh, this is a different landscape, and the people you're dealing with are using different sorts of tactics. So once you realize that, you will actually know what to do. You will be up to the situation. Your spine will become automatically stiffened. But but seeing that situation and not thinking, you don't want to be like the antelope who thinks, oh, no, that movement in the trees, Dinesh, you know, that's not a predator. That's that's the wind. <laughs> and if it is a predator, he's going to land like on somebody else's back, not Mine. That kind of attitude makes people really vulnerable to a police state. No, it absolutely. Well, so I mean, it, it, go ahead, Tom. Did you have something? No, I was just going to talk. I wanted to talk about the film a little bit and uh, uh, Mark Hauk in particular because his story is pretty is mentioned in your film. And I, for the people who are not familiar with the story, Dinesh, I was wondering if you could just kind of go over that story and, you know, how it started and what happened to him with the uh, FBI. Well, yeah, it's a really good story for the simple reason that it answers the objections of people who say, I'm not Donald Trump. I didn't go in the Capitol on January 6th. I pay my taxes. I'm a law-abiding guy, so I don't have anything to worry about. So here you've got this Mark Houck fellow in Pennsylvania, and you know he's a dad, and he's he's a he's a pro-life guy, and he he thought it would be really good to take his son to these clinics, and the two of them together, father and son, would do the work of like trying to counsel people. Listen, don't do this. It's not a good idea. There are a lot of alternatives available to you. In any event, he goes on this particular day. Well, turns out he doesn't run to any women, but one of the counselors in the clinic, a Planned Parenthood clinic, comes out and starts accosting him and starts engaging his son and insulting the dad in front of the son. So the dad kind of gets his dander up and pushes the guy. It was almost like an involuntary reaction. Now, normally, it's like you shouldn't do that. The guy kind of falls back, but he isn't injured in any way. He files a complaint, but the complaint goes nowhere. It's thrown out by the court. The guy doesn't even bother to show up. And then the federal government swoops in. Mark Houck is arrested. He's accused of violating the FACE Act. Now, what is the FACE Act? It basically says that you cannot disrupt reproductive services being provided in a clinic. Now, Mark Houck did not, in fact, do that. It wasn't like a troop of women were going in to get their abortions and Mark Houck somehow blocked them and got in. Not, nothing like that at all. This was just a kind of a scuffle over a dad being sort of insulted in front of his son. And yet he's facing, I forget the amount, but something like 15 years in prison. And the way the government operates is that they use the plea bargain as a kind of bludgeon, which is you're facing 15 years, but we'll give you five years or three years if you basically sign right here, and then you can get your life back. 
But Mark Houck was so hardcore, he's like, no, I will not do it. I'm going to go before the jury. I'll take my chances. And so think about it. This was a guy facing complete ruination, a complete sort of destruction of his family. And the jury took one look at it. And in this case, the story has a happy ending, although many other stories don't. The jury in a very short time came back, acquitted him of all charges. He's now a free man. He describes a story in the film. And part of it, we we cinematically recreate in the film. We we actually hired some FBI consultants to recreate FBI raids with such authenticity that anyone who sees the film who's in law enforcement or the military or in the DOJ is going to go, that's exactly the way that would go down. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And and you guys all need to see it and see that reenactment. But with with how, you know, Tom asked the question about him brings up his story you know, it seems like with him and a lot of other people, a lot of other cases, there's so many cases, in fact, we could spend more time than I know you have. But uh, there's so many cases that it seems like they just are kind of uh, trying to intimidate them, humiliate them. Humiliate them in front of their neighbors. Yeah, exactly. Is, is that our perception, or do you think that's part uh, of the tactics being employed by the FBI? No, I think that the FBI very consciously does these things. And um, so think, for example, about the uh, fact that they use the no-knock rule uh, or they don't identify themselves. One of the things Hauk says in, in, in the interview is he says, you know, they're like, open up. They bang on the door. Now, he says the normal reaction of 99% of people in rural Pennsylvania when they hear open up is they're going to go get their firearm. Because unless someone says, we're the government, we're the cops, we're the FBI, if, if someone without identifying themselves does that, you're going to think, well, I got to defend myself. And Mark Huck goes, fortunately, I'm not a gun guy. I don't have a gun. But if I had a gun, it would be a very volatile situation. So what I'm getting at is the FBI knows all these things, and yet they create these highly intense environments where, you know the case where I guess it's in Idaho where they had, they had this old guy that they were chasing down. You know, he's a little paranoid. He naturally goes for his gun. Boom, they kill him. Yeah. And so could they not have anticipated that a paranoid guy uh, would, would do that? And then was it really necessary to apprehend him in that? Aren't there seven different ways you could have arrested him in a grocery store if that's what you were going for and um, neither harmed yourselves nor him? So I think in some of these cases, there is a sense in which the process is the punishment. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I want to speed along and, and I want to play a short clip if you're okay with it because I, I i value your time i know you have other interviews you're doing today with with this huge release here but but you also talk about ashley babbitt you talk about a ton in this and, and folks you just got to check it out but let's let's talk about ashley babbitt and and play a clip from your film uh that you put out here as well let's just look at this together as an audience and then we'll discuss it i think it's the wrong clip disco all right. Well, let's we'll try and pull the right clip in. But in the meantime, in the meantime, that that I think that was from the Michigan State. Was that from the Michigan State game? Um, anyways, um, don't go to East Lansing. Go to go to Ann Arbor. It's a better school. But the uh, if, and if you're offended by that, I'm so sorry that you are. But the um, <clears throat> the, the the clip in there, you have Troy Nails talking. Here we go. Here we, we got it here. Let's let's play it here. I was one of the last members to leave the house chamber. On January 6th, I was at the back doors, the main doors leading into the chamber. I was protecting those doors. Uh, the window there to the right 
is the window that Ashley Babbitt jumped through. Lieutenant Byrd was positioned over there on the left. And Ashley Babbitt fell back and died right there. Yes. I heard that shot that took Ashley Babbitt's life. She was posing a threat to United States House of Representatives. He had no clue what her intentions were. I had been yelling and screaming as loud as I was, please stop, get back, get back. I don't believe anybody heard him giving those commands. She didn't know there was a gun being pointed at her. He says he couldn't see her hands. He couldn't tell if it was a female. If that would have happened in the summer of 2020, with the riots we saw across our country, you would have been indicted within a week. Police State. Tickets sold only on policestatefilm.net. Good reminder, go to policestatefilm.net. But so the, look, we've, everyone's, you've talked about it, no doubt, a ton. We've talked about it. How does an unarmed five foot one female pose a threat to the point where deadly force could be used? And the answer is she doesn't. And the only way to justify it is to apply a completely fictitious label to her and everyone around her. So now let's bring in a kind of a new landscape and say, there's an attempt to overthrow the Constitution and the U.S. government, uh, and this is an insurrection. And even if you, it's an insurrection with like guys in wheelchairs and you know five foot women, as you say in this case, and maybe she got a little agitated. I don't believe she even broke that window. She did go through it, but she wasn't the one who smashed the window. Um, nevertheless she becomes now an insurrectionist. It's kind of like saying she's a Confederate and it's a civil war going on. And so she's an enemy troop and you and I think it was it's this mentality. You know, I, I came up against the Obama administration for a campaign finance violation, technical violation. I would normally get a slap on the wrist, but I was very struck by the psychology of the government's attorneys. This is like the Holder Justice Department and their allies at the SDNY, the Southern District of New York. I realize they don't see me as a fellow citizen, as a dissident, as a sort of an immigrant, to uh, someone who's like, no, they saw me as like, you're a political enemy. We need to take you out. And so a thought crossed my mind, if for this trivial violation of giving my own money to a candidate, a college friend of mine who was running for office, if those guys could have locked me up for 10 years, they would have been okay with that. I, I genuinely believe that they had been like, justice has been done. And then I realized, wow, this is actually a, a very different America than I imagined when I first got my citizenship and took the oath, I sort of have been a rah-rah American all my life because I've been struck by the opportunity, the abundance of the country. But there is this other side of America, which is getting more and more prominent. Uh, and that's a very different America. It sure is, man. Everything is changing so fast. It's hard to even keep track of how fast it's changing. On, on the Babbitt stuff, is there is there any new insight or our kind of mindset sorry i've got phones blowing up here is there any kind of new insight um or information that you went in you know you everyone had their views of babbitt and bird going into this as you did this film as you talked to nels as uh, uh, representative nels and you, and you did all this is there anything new that came out that you didn't know before going in oh yeah i mean the film is full of i would call it new information at the micro level and then big insights at the macro level. So let me give you kind of a big insight about January 6th. The whole premise of January 6th is that the Trumpsters went in there to stop a proceeding. They didn't want this proceeding to go on, they wanted it halted. So now you have to ask, well, what was that proceeding? 
And the implied answer is the certification of Joe Biden. But if you pay attention to the actual proceeding that was going on that got stopped, that was not the proceeding at all. The proceeding going on was the multiple challenges to the election. Uh, there were many prominent senators, Ted Cruz included. They were going to challenge Arizona, Georgia, Michigan. A lot of the so-called battleground states were going to be challenged. That process was stopped. Now, is there a single Trumpster who wanted to stop the questioning of the election? No, they had no motive to do that. They wanted the questioning of the election to continue. But there is another team that wanted it to stop. That's right. Nancy Pelosi. That's the Democrats. They wanted not only to stop the questioning of the election, they wanted to stop all subsequent questioning of the election. And so they were the people that would have a motive, in a sense, to create a disruption and then go, see, you had an insurrection. We've now got to shut down. We've got to go to the digital platforms. No one is allowed to talk about the election anymore. No one's allowed to question the outcome. And so a preposterous lie, and the preposterous lie is simply this, this was the most secure election in history. And I say it's a preposterous lie for the obvious reason that if, if it was the most secure election in history, show me the evidence that compared to all previous elections, there was less fraud in this one than any previous one. Has anyone even, forget about proving it, even attempted to prove it? No. So right away, you have this absurdly dogmatic premise being, being inflicted on the American people. And then somehow, if you dissent from it, you're a potential insurrectionist. <laughs> I just, I don't it's even get madness. this world. In. It is, it's, it's utter madness. I, I don't get it. I mean, how can, last, last main question I've got for you, because I know you've got other stuff you got to, but as all this is happening, you, we talk about that. You, one of the big, a couple of the biggest scams that we've experienced as humanity, as Americans in, in our lifetimes, if not history, is, is a lot of the stuff having to do with COVID, this election stuff, the, the insurrection conversation that's happened behind the scene, or not behind the scenes, but very openly, and then the work behind the scenes that, that's gone into, you know, putting together this event that day. But as all this happens, and you have this police state, and you have people who are going after innocent, just everyday Americans, good old people out there, what's your kind of viewpoint and, and slash advice for everyday Americans and how they guard themselves from a false you know, persecution, prosecution from the FBI, something something that everyone, I think, if, if you're paying attention, is probably concerned about. Right. I think that um, I think that the answer is to um, to wake up to the extent in which our institutions have become corrupted and our basic rights. I mean, all of them. If you just go through the Bill of Rights, right to free speech, that's threatened. Right to religious freedom, threatened. Right to assemble, threatened under COVID. Uh, right to petition the government for grievances, threatened under January 6th. Uh, equal rights and equal justice under the law. Ha, ha, ha. So we go down the list, we go, which of our rights is even now still intact? Are we even really, can you say with a straight face, and I don't like to give this answer, are we still a free society? I'm not willing enough to say no, and yet I'm hard-pressed to say yes. So this is where we are now. And, and that needs to be our starting point in figuring out these are the ways in which we sort of get back to where we ought to be. Because, you know, we have Yeonmi Park, who's a refugee from North Korea, and she says, you know, once the jaws of the police state slam shut, there's not a whole lot you can do. Then your options are really limited. In fact, all you can do is run. 
like get out, get your family out, get your money out uh, if you can. And out in, in North Korea, out of thousands of people who have tried, it's something like you know 190 who made them made their way out, and the others all never did. So it becomes a very precarious situation. I don't want us to get there. I'm hoping we won't get there. This film is intended to be a powerful weapon uh, of information and enlightenment, so we never do get there. And uh, and as you meant, if you let me say, policestatefilm.net. That's the that's the website. It uh, it's in theaters for um, one more day, uh, October 25th, but then October 27th, Friday, virtual premiere. So you can watch from home the full screening of the film, live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me to follow. But policestatefilm.net is the place to get the tickets. Well, I'm glad you said that. That was my my next and final question. Um, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited about it. We've we've seen it, but like I'm excited for everyone else because everything you touch, Dinesh, and I mean this, I'm not blowing smoke, you just do such an outstanding job. You really do. You 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 not only do a great job with the film itself, but the messaging and waking people up to to your point earlier, because we need people to continue to wake up. So I, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Wish you all the success in the world uh, with this film. Uh, and I'm sure it's gonna be just as successful as, as all of your other ones. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here. My pleasure. All right. All right, folks, check it out. PoliceStateFilm.net. Go check. If you can't see it in the theaters, go there. Do the digital premiere on the 27th. Support everything that Dinesh is doing. You guys, I, I'm just always so uh, thankful, and I feel so privileged to to have him on uh, when he comes on and, and when he does all these things because it really is it's a gift to all of us. I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for what he does. Uh, with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Bobby Barak from outkick.com who's going to be here to talk about a very interesting topic we're going to get to actually you know what i'm going to get let's disco let's do question of the day before we do that let's get to question of the day um so you guys can be sending your responses and the question is this you have to go on a this is such a, a departure from what we just talked about but you have to go on a date have to is the key word you do you have two choices here you have to go on a date with a hamas terrorist or rashida talib Oh, dear God. <laughs> Who are you choosing? Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, Rash I think Rashida is a terrorist. I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. You have to spend some time slash go on a date with either a Hamas terrorist or Rashida Tlaib. Who are you choosing? Send your responses in. We will get to ours as well after a quick break. We'll give you the live studio look in here as we take the break. We'll bring Bobby Barak in, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff coming up right here after a real short one. Stick around. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. 
This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number two USA Gold. Yes, call now. 833-287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My business partner Jim and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, and Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is it's our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow uh, Ocoa Philippi project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a uh, foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values, and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all, we wanna serve good coffee to them all, and we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, that's willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. is in the river. The crow flies at midnight. Titwillow, Titwillow, you magnificent Titwillow. Scripps. Travis goes to court at the Thunderdome. The busboy lactates. All right. Look alive. Look alive. We're back. 
It's time for that second hour, that pesty second hour. I don't know why I said it that way. I've never said it that way before. I don't believe that. Uh, I'm actually real excited about it. But a reminder, the question of the day today was, you have to go on a date with a Hamas terrorist or Rashida Tlaib. Who are you choosing? It's a tough question. I know. I know. Second hour, by the way, brought to you commercial-free by the Wellness Company. Guys, we're living in crazy, unrivaled times. It's hard to get doctors and folks from Western medicine to give you some of the stuff that you need, want, all of that. But our friends over at the Wellness Company, backed by doctors such as Peter McCullough, so many other great folks, have introduced this new medical emergency kit. So pumped to tell you about it. It's easy for you to get. You do a telemedicine visit online. You get eight awesome medications in this kit, including ivermectin, antibiotics, ivermectin. I was going to throw in some other stuff there that's not there, but they probably wouldn't appreciate me me joking about it. But you can get all of that stuff. It's at rvmemergencykit.com. Go do it. Be prepared. Guys, everyone thinks of water, toilet paper, food, all of those things. Those are great. You should have them. You should have batteries. You should have all that stuff. But what about if you get sick? What about some of the other things that could happen? Uh, Take care of yourself. Be prepared. Go to rvmemergencykit.com. Okay. Joining us now, writer, analyst over at outkick.com, Bobby Brock. Bobby, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Drew. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I got to ask because we asked everybody else. Question of the day. You have to go on a date with either a Hamas terrorist, un- unknown, TBD, mm-hmm. no no identification known, Hamas terrorist, or Rashida Tlaib. Who are, you, who are you choosing? I'm taking the Hamas terrorist. Here's why. Because there's a chance that the Hamas terrorist could be good-looking, chance it could be bad-looking. We know what kind of looking Rashida Tlaib is, so I'm going to take the, uh, I'm gonna take the uh, spontaneous, maybe good-looking, if you got me. I like it. I like it. I think it's a solid answer. Tom, real quick, what are you going solid with? Solid answer. Well, I mean, I don't know if I if it's a real quick one, but am I paying or is the other person paying? You're paying. Oh, I'm paying. Yeah. Okay. Are we going to eat family style or is it my choice? That's I'm up to you. That's go? up to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm in Bobby's camp, man. I'm going to take my chances with the unknown rather than the known. She just, there is something about her that I don't think I could eat in her presence. Yeah, I mean, she's a violent, angry, just overall aggressive woman. I think a lot of people agreeing. Um, keep the chat going there. I want to get to. I want to get to Bobby. I want to get to our guests because we keep seeing protest in support of said Hamas terrorist and and or slash Palestine, uh, whatever you want to call it. There's obviously some significant bleed over there. We keep seeing all of that all over the country. College campuses being kind of chief among them. Yes, it's in New York and Chicago and Minneapolis and some of these places. But you see these all all over college campuses. And you've got a lot of folks out there, particularly on the conservative side of America, who's calling to shut them down. You took a different approach. And I want to get to that. I want to actually get to it in a minute, though. I've got a couple other questions. I'm teasing something. We're not even going to go there. Uh, Can I just ask this, though, too? It's kind of like a second. It's like a bonus question of the day. You people can answer in the chat, too. Why does it seem like the more educated someone is in America, the dumber they seem to be? Well, I think it's you're an astute point because it's true. I think what it is 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 that I don't know if intellectual and smart are exactly the same thing, believe it or not. To me, what I have found is the more educated someone is, usually the more ingratiated they become with the person teaching them and their worldview. So you become less independent-minded and more robotic, or as I say in my piece, 
programmed, right? You leave these highly pricey and elite institutions with a sense of moral superiority where you always want to outthink the room. And what happens a lot of times is these institutions teach you to look at the world in two ways, usually by identity where everybody's oppressed or oppressed. And it really blinds you to what I think is common sense. I mean, I grew up in a real small town, Drew. My friends are carpenters. They like tile construction workers. They're not really quote unquote educated, but I find them to speak and use common sense and not view people through those lens. Um, I find them far more interesting and wise than my friends in media who went to like Northwestern and Syracuse and stuff. But I find them predictable and just nauseating. Yeah, no, they are. Those, those, those terms are perfect, Bobby. I mean, predictable, nauseating, all those things. Yeah. I mean, mo all, I think all of us, for yeah. the most part, agree, unless you went to one of those schools, which, which you're probably not here if you did. But, like, that, that's just the way it is. Everyday Americans are refreshing. You, you've, regardless of your, of your career, your level of degree, it's do you get the world? And you don't really get the world if you haven't lived in the world. And a lot of these folks who go, particularly to some of the schools, you mentioned Ivy League schools, these folks— you don't get the world. You get what your professor told you and what your books told you and what CNN told you, but you don't get, you don't actually get the real world. And, and I, I think most people agree with that. How, how, how on that same thought, and I think, I think I know your answer to this. How big of a problem is diversity of thought on college campuses? It seems like it's really narrowing down quite a bit. Oh, huge. And it, it, it's the worst type of peer pressure. Now look, Drew, I, to be honest, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. Like I've made a million mistakes. I make mistakes every day. The one mistake I regret is going to college. Um, it was a complete waste of time for a couple of reasons. One is that time and money I spent for four years, I could have traveled the world, talked to people that I respect, asked more questions. But instead, I was stuck reading some book, listening to some wacky professor, and I was surrounded by all these students who believed in stuff that I never did, and it didn't help me or make me see things differently. I just had to fight off what they were trying to get me to do, like join the stuff about how women are held back in business and about how white people are so privileged. And when I got there, there was all these groups forming like, women for business, black people for economics, um, Hispanic nurses and stuff, LGBTQ, everything. It's like, wait a minute, I don't fit into any of these groups, so why am I here? But when you do that, you're told over and over again, society should be broken down in those groups. We see it all the time. Like ESG encourages just that. So I, I am frustrated with myself that I spent the time doing that because all it did is make me hate those people even more and i probably shouldn't be saying it but it's absolutely true I, mean, I just despise that what these institutions teach students and they go into the world thinking that either a they should be guilty for being a white male or b they're owed something because they're not a white male it's just it's disgusting it is and and, and i feel the exact same way i so i i was involved i was involved in sports for a short while as a failed it was a failed iteration because of injuries and other stuff but but I, I still to this day feel the same way you do that, that it was one of the big outside of this, this, the, the small window where sports was in play. I think it's one of the biggest wasted times I've ever, I've ever done. And, and, and I, and I can argue counterpoints to my own point that I'm making, 
but it, it is it's it just has that feeling it's just indoctrination camp and, and as, as someone who's got four kids I, I i ponder now like well what the hell are we going to do in several years when we get to that point because i see way more negatives way more drawbacks to this than i do positives I, 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 look if your kid's going to play quarterback or offensive tackle at the university of georgia or something like that i get it different scenario we're if your kid is going to study something else or, or even worse, they don't know what they're going to study. And then they're that much more malleable for whatever that school is going to do to them. That, it's a big problem. I, I think it's got to be really tough for parents. And, and I, I put myself in there uh, moving ahead on, on how this is how this is handled. Yeah. And look, um, my advice, then, if anybody wants, look, I think if you're going for a STEM degree, it's probably worth it. Right. There are certain fields where college degree is pretty beneficial even though you got to fight off like you know the indoctrination and other stuff like chlamydia and drug addiction that all comes with it but to be a liberal arts student i mean it's a complete waste of time um, it, it's useless there, there's no proof that it helps you in a lot of ways it diminishes you now nobody ever says this stuff because it's like taboo to go against colleges and you're in high school everybody in society is telling you you'll make so much more if you go to college you'll be a bum if you don't what a lie that is has anybody looked at societal and business trends there are truck driving jobs open that will pay you 115,000 first year um carpenters in demand plumbers you can make big big money if you learn how to plumb and aren't in the college debt and don't have to go through all the programming that happens when you go to stanford to get some gender study degree or mythology um studies so i'm with you i mean maybe i'm the wrong person to ask because i'm just so against the entire thing at this point but like if you're not going for stem degree or you don't know exactly what you want and you just sign up and go into all that debt and owe the government a bunch of money i believe that is one of the biggest mistakes you can make going to start your adult life i mean like i have friends who i told you carpenters doing real well i also have friends that went to college for six seven years and have some degree in psychology they're making like thirty-two thousand or two hundred thousand dollar debt and those were deemed the smart ones going into it and uh, uh, i disagree completely yeah i it's that particular degree uh, unless unless you're unless you're going into that more so than that even is philosophy the ones who uh what are you majoring in philosophy like oh dear god um okay there there is a there is a small window of something positive you, anyways i won't pick on them i want to get to your take I'll, I'll 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 be a responsible adult and let myself not be distracted for once you're going back to the hamas terrorists um protest the the support of them support of palestine which some people can separate, some people can't. I, I can get both arguments on that. But you, you've said, rather than shut them down in your article, really great article, which, by the way, you guys should check out, outkick.com. If you're not following everything Bobby does and Clay and the team are doing over on outkick.com, you're missing out. But you said, hey, let them protest. Let them keep doing this. Show who they really are. And I agree. Don't silence them. Let them tell you where they are. Uh, hopefully that wakes more people up we know who it is what responses have you gotten from the article and, and do you think these protests will continue so the response has been um really fascinating i mean like i dive into these culture political topics at length and, and probably every big story i've provided one of these perspectives more so than any column i've written through but a lot of conservatives particularly in the media side come to me and say we disagreed with you at first but now we agree with you which you know to me is I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, hearing that is making you know, 
it's so appreciative that people have that perspective. But of course, you have the people who are chiming in, you know, saying, hey, fire this guy, all that stuff. And you have some conservatives who you know, just think it's despicable to provide the cushion I apparently provided them. But here's the you know, thesis of the story. I've always said the answer to hate speech is not less speech, it's more speech. You need to let Nazi sympathizers, terrorist sympathizers be heard so you know who they are and what you're getting. And that's why this case is so important because these Ivy League educated students, they're supposedly the future of the country, the doctors, lawyers, politicians of the future. Why silence them and let them hide those views instead of getting them out front and center so we know exactly who they are and then we can defeat them or not vote for them or not hire them. Silencing them like some conservatives have called for and blacklisting them, that is counterproductive. Look, the the most dangerous any person can be is when they're hidden in the shadows and can lurk out at any time. People are less effective when they're front and center and they're exposing themselves. I start off the piece saying, look, I always agree with the quote from Thomas Swalwell, the road to hell is paved with Ivy League degrees. I believe that. I've always believed that. But most of the country, they haven't believed that. And now they're just starting to believe it. So I'm glad that these um, Harvards and Cornells and Yales came out for Hamas because it shows people who they are. It's been an unmasking. And now you see even people on the left, not the far left, but the moderate left, actually question, hey, are these people actually best suited to lead society into the next generation? So I'm not for silencing at all. And for the people who say, well, you need to shut them up immediately, I would go back to the Kevin Spacey's quote um, in The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever played, played per him is convincing the world he didn't exist. Meaning when people don't think you have these views, you're most effective because they don't know what's coming. And that's exactly what Ivy League schools have done. They have been Marxist and anti-Semitic for years. The Wall Street Journal has been warning about this for at least, based on my research, for the last 14 years. But most of the country didn't know that. They're just seeing it now. Yeah, well, and I think all the points you just made are spot on, absolutely. Let everyone know. Let them be seen so we know who they are. So we're, so they're not this silent threat. They're not this silent enemy out there. You don't want that with a lone wolf terrorist. You don't want that out with out there with a, a sympathetic person to to all of this stuff. But I also think too, which I know you you probably agree with, but like I also think too, it's it just wakes people up to the fact that there is a significant issue. You can see polling that's out there. You've got some polls, maybe not all, but some polls that suggest college students are more. Uh, in favor of socialism than capitalism. If you got polls that say that they're more in support of this than some other traditional value here in America, and then you see these protests, and you're just like, look at right there. Look at what they're saying and they're doing. It's absolutely insane. Uh, I, I, so I think it's good from that standpoint, too, of like, you, you might not wake everyone up, but if we can wake up a small chunk over here who's like, oh, those bitches are crazy over there, that's a good thing. Right, and you're never going to wake everybody up like the Rashida Tlaibs and Ilhan Omars. They're never going to wake up because they support this stuff. But like, look, um, I mean, if a district that has routinely voted for politicians that's Ivy League educated, if they vote for somebody else now because they're not, 
to me, that's a win. Um, if corporations and Fortune 500 companies decide, hey, we're not going to treat these Ivy League schools as the pipeline to the cultural elite, which by the way, they've been doing for decades, that's a win for me. Um, so silencing them just seems like such small thinking. And that's my issue, Drew, with conservatives. The people say, oh, you're, you're criticizing yourself. Like, I mean, I guess I'm conservative, but I don't agree with a lot of the way conservatives respond to stuff. Conservatives are great at diagnosing an issue, but their solution is usually quite pathetic in a week. Um, I mean, just to silence these people, that helps them. And it, it just, it seems so hypocritical. I and mean, I've been consistent all throughout this. Like last year, about this time, 12 months ago, I was adamant, don't silence Kanye West. Don't remove his music from Spotify and Apple. Let him speak and let people decide themselves if they want to still listen to his music. This whole idea of controlling what people can see and what they can't see, that doesn't make us a stronger country. That makes us a weaker country that's more vulnerable to be led in any which direction from the people above us. And you mentioned the reaction to me. What I find humorous is there are people on the right who are coming to me and saying, well, what do you think about the student at Drexel who was Jewish and got his dorm blown off? As I say in the piece, I'm saying speech. That is not speech. That is violence. Right. Of course, we need to respond immediately to violence. But protests, Instagram posts, and commentary, that's completely different than blowing a door off a Jewish student's dorm. I would say. I would say. Tom, you 100%. had something. Yeah, Bobby. Um, so my my whole I, I talk this about this with Drew all the time. My one of my biggest champions of free speech, who I really enjoyed a lot while he was alive, was Larry Flint because he came up with one one of the you know to me one of the most hard hitting things that anyone can say you know was when it comes to free speech, you have to defend speech that you that you either hate or disagree with. And for the longest time, you know, I've worked in television for the last 30 years. And when I saw the rise of the term hate speech coming up, I tried to I tried to warn all of my colleagues who are like jumping on the bandwagon with hate speech. I'm like, this is a bad road to go down when you start, uh, you know, labeling different forms of speech as hate speech when it's just an opinion you disagree with. So now it seems like we've come, you know, we we've come a long way from there to the point where we are now. And when I saw these protests or these pro Hamas rallies that were going on in these Ivy League schools, it was like, okay, man, this is where I've been saying this shit my entire life. I better stand up and say, you know what? Let them do it. Don't silence yeah. them. And I think for a lot of conservatives, they're so used or people on the right they're so used to being canceled and having their opinions suppressed by the left that th they feel like this is their time for some payback or retribution to try and silence the left and i just wanted to know what your thoughts on that and how you would respond to somebody on the right whose position would be you know i'm tired of the left bullying us around now it's our turn or our turn to bully them yeah, yeah, so you're absolutely right, and I touched on that a moment ago. People on the right, look, we talk about everything's, people say everything's rigged against women or minorities. That's an absolute lie. So the system is rigged against conservatives for the most part. Liberals control all major U.S. institutions, particularly the media, which starts a lot of this. So you're absolutely right. What's happening is, is 
conservatives are so used to getting the short end of the stick that they're always looking to play whataboutism and say, hey, if that was us, if we were protesting in favor or against Black Lives Matter, you would punish all of these Ivy League students. You would, you're allowing them to support Hamas, but you would never allow them to support an anti-BLM cause. My response to that is, you're absolutely correct. But we already know that these systems and institutions are biased, that double stand standards are spread all around. That's what I go back to, but that's thinking too small. I don't think we should use this opportunity to prove, well, Harvard and Yale, they favor liberal causes. We already know that. But what the country didn't realize was the type of hate that is emanating among these student bodies, particularly for the Jews. So for a conservative to tell me, well, this is our time to prove a point, I would ask them, what point are you trying to prove? Because that point is ineffective. Harvard and Yale, they don't care if they have a double standard in place. They're the ones that put it in place. You're not gonna hurt them by pointing out that they favor progressive speech. But where you hurt them is, showing those who previously support them the type of students that are coming out of those college campuses, which we're doing in wide numbers right now. I, mean, I just saw again today another law firm in San Francisco saying, hey, I might not consider these Cornell students based on what I'm seeing right now. So I'd always tell conservatives, stop playing the short game, play the long game. Exactly. That is, that is our our biggest mistake that we make. I mean, we make so many mistakes on our side. Uh, gosh, we're so disappointing in so many ways. But that is one of our biggest ones. It not As a country, it is too. But as, but as conservatives, we don't play the long game. Very well said there, Bobby. Um, stop focusing on the near term. Stop focusing on the short term. Let's play the long game. And, and let's let's be willing to play in, in, a, in a manner that allows us to actually win and make an impact. Because we've never done that. We talked about that with Dinesh earlier too. That's just never been our thing. We're just okay with second place. We're, we're, we, we pick on participation trophies here all the time. The Republican <laughs> Party is literally a participation trophy. Yes. That's what it is. Oh. Yeah, I mean, a good example is like, I'm as frustrated as anybody about what's going on with Donald Trump and these indictments. But I, I turn on TV or listen to the radio and all these conservatives are like, well, what if this was Joe Biden? What if this was Hunter Biden? Again, we already know there's different rules for Republicans and Democrats, but use this moment to expose how corrupt and dangerous it is when the sitting president's Justice Department is now going after his chief competitor. That's the angle we should be focused on, not this game of whataboutism, because those never work. It's like, yeah, I, I had these conversations with conservatives all the time, and I just find it so bewildering like a lot of them will say well we need to point out the constitution doesn't agree with this and my rebuttal is the left doesn't care about the constitution so when you cite the constitution you just prove their point because they don't believe the constitution should be the bible of the country so the participation trophy is right conservatives don't know how to fight it's why they keep on losing they're very good at pointing out the hypocrisy but they have no solution how to fix it yeah, no, no, exactly. Always very good at pointing it out. No solution how to yeah. fix it. Well, I think your take on that was was very good. I think it was very wise, and I think that people should get behind it. Uh, I, I just I just do. But I, if you're if you're good, I'd I'd like to actually switch gears for a second. 
Yeah, of course. Because you're you're so you work for Clay. Um, Clay, who I was saying earlier, uh, I don't know Clay personally. I know Buck, who does a radio show yeah. with him very well, but um, I don't, and I don't know how that actually hasn't happened yet, where I don't know Clay. But that's another 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 point. But you work for uh, for Outkick, great site. As Tom was saying earlier, you guys cover so much. You hit you hit sports, you hit yeah. politics, you 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 hit entertainment. You just kind of weave it all together. And I'm not I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass you just literally you guys do an awesome job like I, it's it's one of the very few sites that i go to each day when when we're kind of preparing the show here but i gotta ask this since your site has to do with sports too is taylor swift a good thing or a bad thing for the nfl uh good thing in the near term she's bringing a lot of extra publicity um the ratings say young girls are now watching football games particularly 12 to 17. long term though i think it's a bad thing because you're never going to convert those 12 to 17 girls in mass to stick with the nfl and all you're doing is alienating most football viewers now get this guys the average nfl viewer on sunday is like a 52 year old white guy in red america he does not care about taylor swift so when you focus on her doing her little dances and screaming in the booth instead of the replays, that just frustrates them. Yeah. Um, so I think in the short term, it's a good thing, I guess, but I don't think it sustains or provides them any long-term growth. Now, look, will Taylor Swift hurt the NFL? Probably not. The NFL is so big. I mean, get this. More people watch the Super Bowl than a presidential debate by far. I believe the I think Biden and Trump peaked at like 72 million, 110 million people watched the Super Bowl. Um, some of those NFC, AFC championship games do 50 million, which beats most presidential debates and all the primary debates. So believe it or not, as much as we all debate politics, and I mean, that is my primary beat now, football has more interest in the U.S. So there's just nothing that I think can really hurt or help football. It just is what it is right now which is just a behemoth of a force right now. There's really nothing that defines America more than National Football League on Sundays. Yeah, I agree. And, and look, I, there's a lot of things the NFL does that piss me off. I don't like it. You know, they, yeah. they've done a lot of things over the years. And people, I, I see it all the time in the chat. We'll, we'll try and bring it up. We're, we're trying to channel yeah. some of you guys and how you guys do things. And we'll work in some sports because it's a big deal for me, you know, being from a, a, a football yeah. family and and just a sports family in general so we'll work it in oh and people they get so mad like well, we hate the nfl like i get it but here's the thing you you whining about it which i'm not saying don't do you're entitled to whine about whatever you want people out there but you whining about it doesn't change anything even even the the, the 52 year old white dude which is kind of conservative america like in general like you absolutely voice your opinion but the nfl is a beast it's not going to matter like us being mad about the kaepernick stuff yes there was an impact there was a little bit of an impact but it ultimately down the long road doesn't matter taylor swift i think this whole thing's dumb like i haven't been able to perfect the the handshake that her and Brittany <laughs> mahomes does and that pisses me off but but like it's it, you know it, it it is what it is like it's not going to change that will go away that relationship's not going to last i'm not dr phil or anything but i can predict that that's probably not going to end well uh, and there'll be a song that we'll all be talking about down the road but i, I but it, it also is what it is either enjoy football and watch the game and understand the nfl is very powerful it's not going anywhere to to the numbers and stats you just shared or or don't but uh, 
what, whatever. I mean, it's just, but that's 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 well, kind of my take on it. I, I I love sports so much, and and I hate the politics have been worked into it. But I'm just also unwilling to depart from it because it's like, well, you bring me satisfaction. You're a little bit of a drug. Maybe you're a dumbed down drug, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of points to make. I mean, so the silent majority, which I wrote about in June, they were able to diminish Bud Light because there there's so many other readily available alternatives, right? Like the difference between Bud Light, Miller Light, Medela, I don't know, it's not huge, right? There are other alternatives. There's no other alternative for the NFL. So while there were conservatives who stopped watching in 2017 and 2016 because of the Kaepernick protest, they came back two years later because, well, what else are they gonna do on Sundays? I mean, there's only, what else are they gonna watch? What else are they gonna bet on? What else are they gonna argue with their buddies about? So there's really no way of impacting the NFL long-term. And point two I wanna make, I really appreciate you complimenting Outkick. So just give some background. Um, three and a half years ago, right before the start of the pandemic, Clay called me. Um, at this point, he, was the, he ran the site independently. He had no employees, it was just him. He called me and said, hey, you know, I have this vision about providing an alternative on all of these different topics, politics, sports, culture, media, betting, entertainment, life. He goes, there's a market demand for this. I want you to come be a part of that, be a focal point, be one of the first people. And I end up being one of his first two employees during that relaunch. And that's exactly what we've always wanted to do is provide a voice to the voiceless on all these topics. So why focus on politics, culture, some media stuff? We have guys who do sports, Instagram models, culture, TV shows, food. We try to cover everything with different people. So I really appreciate you guys acknowledging that and appreciating that. Um, it means a lot given the vision that Clay laid out to me now three and a half years ago. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I really do appreciate the Instagram model um, thread yeah. as well. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a great- <laughs> value add to the product for sure uh, being dead serious let me ask this i know you you've you're a busy man we want to let you get going who do you think the most authentic professional athlete is in america right now aaron Rodgers, um uh, because he says exactly what he believes he doesn't care about who it impresses he's not worried about sponsors potential endorsements or making friends in the locker room he says exactly what he believes on any topic and when you're willing to hurt your bottom bottom line, which he has because he's no longer sponsor friendly because of his commentary on the vaccine. To me, that's authenticity. You don't get that from other athletes. They, they, they say exactly what some loser PR person tells them they're allowed to say. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. And I hate that because Bobby, I'm a season ticket holding Vikings person in Florida, um, which is which is hard for me on so many levels because we never do anything right. Although we had a great win last night without Justin Jefferson. But I, I, I've had this love hate relationship with forever with Aaron Rodgers, and I respect the living piss out of him. And I respect him more now than I ever have because of, of what he's doing. I think you're right. I think that is I, it's a subjective answer, but I'm giving Bobby 100 percent a plus on that answer. I think that right. was good. Yeah. And I totally agree with that assessment because you have Aaron Rodgers on one hand, who I think I agree with Bobby is completely authentic. And then you have got to me, in my own opinion, on the other end of the spectrum is LeBron James, who I think is 100 percent contrived. Absolutely. And there's one other person. He's not an athlete. But Dana White, the UFC president, I don't know if you guys saw this story today, Bud Light just paid the UFC $100 million to be the 
exclusive beer of the UFC. It's the largest UFC sponsorship deal ever. They paid way above market value. Well, why did they do that? Because the UFC is the only sports league that caters to Red America, particularly Dana White. He invites Donald Trump front and center. He allows his fighters to campaign for Donald Trump. So Bud Light, which has struggled to win back the conservative base ever since they honored Dylan Mulvaney for calling himself a girl, they are now turning to the UFC to try to help them. And by the way, I think that's quite smart because the NFL, NBA, NHL, they all appeal to the vocal minority. The UFC caters to the silent majority, and I think that this is actually going to be a pretty wise move for Bud Light. Absolutely. Wow. I didn't know about that. That is a freaking brilliant deal. If yeah. you're going to get yourself back in, I mean, we saw the historic losses by them. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You've got to go over the top. you got to pay over the top for that. And And you know what? Kudos to them. We, we got to be able to play all the sides and, and agree on, on, on some things, even when, when we're mad at them and say, hey, that was a great move. That was a great. If, if Joe Biden actually cured cancer like he always says he's going to do and sometimes says he has done, I would be like, that's awesome, bro. That's a great deal. A absolutely. And look, I, um, I don't like Bud Light, particularly because I think the gender appropriation thing is one of the most consequential trends that we've had. And modern history, just given the long-term effects. But teaming up with Dana White, who I have great respect for, the UFC, which, you know, is the most masculine sports league, and Red America loves it. I mean, it's a brilliant idea. So kudos to Anheuser-Busch for figuring out what they didn't figure out before, which is appeal to your base. Your base is, was never transgender people. There's not even that many transgender people out there. Your base was blue-collar, beer-drinking men, and now you figure it out by teaming up with the UFC. Yeah. That was, yeah, it was one of the dumbest moves in the history of America. It really was. Bobby, uh, where's the best place for people to follow? I mean, obviously, Outkick.com. Where's the, for your articles? Where's the best people to follow you and your, your commentary? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. Uh, I put most of my columns. I do a lot of appearances throughout the week. I have several lined up for uh, a new column. And, um, yeah, you should find everything there, and uh, we'll go from there. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I really do. It's It's been awesome having you on the show. We would love to do it again. If if we haven't scared you off, uh, it would be great. It's been a great conversation. So please do come back. Uh, we'll be in touch for sure. And folks, make sure that you're following Bobby, reading his stuff over at Outkick.com. And not just Bobby's stuff, all the stuff at Outkick.com. Go check it out. Give him a follow on X, Twitter, whatever the hell we're calling it. Bobby, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great night. All right. So um, <clears throat> loved that conversation. Loved. I've loved all the conversations we've had tonight. Just It's just been great. I hope you guys are enjoying it. By the way, hit that like button. Uh, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, wherever the hell you are, hit that like button. If you're on Rumble, please do us a solid and hit that subscribe button so you get notified when we go live. We're working to push more and more and more. How many more should I do? That's more. probably good. More, more. Um, people over to Rumble. Uh, so please do that. Uh, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us uh, in so many ways. You just don't even know. So do that. Hit the like button. Keep engaging in the chats. And let's keep going here because you've got, you know, we talked to Bobby about his article where he, he said, don't silence these protesters. Let them out themselves. Let them say who they really are. And then you had this exchange between Corinne Jean-Pierre, the token press secretary, and she's being asked about anti-Semitism anti in the country. 
And she basically says, listen to what her response is. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing it a little bit, yes. But she basically says, anti-Semitism is not an issue. Islamophobia is. Take a listen. His level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats, uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his uh, in his address uh, just last last Thursday. And so uh, one of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. And that is something that the president has sought to do. and. And since day one, as you know, the president ran on on um, on you know bringing commu protecting communities, obviously, but bringing people together, the soul uh, uh, protecting the soul of the nation, uh, and so um, that is something that the president takes very very seriously, uh, and. Um, we know we're going to continue to denounce any sort of hate uh, towards any American here, uh, and so that's what we're going to continue to be steadfast on. Again, he has he has uh, uh, advised, directed his Homeland Security uh, team to make sure that they're on top of this. <laughs> She's so dumb. She's so dumb. Well, and it also it goes to prove how anti-Semitic the White House is. is. Because if you can't see anti-Semitism going on in the United States by just the videos that have been that have been released on Twitter, on social media, it's unreal. You're talking, you've got groups of people in New York saying there's only one solution. What do you think that solution is? It's the same thing that the Germans said. So, uh, yeah, the rise of anti-Semitism is real. We just, I just watched video the other day from Skokie, Illinois, where, the, you know, the uh, ACLU represented the Nazis who marched in Skokie. Now you have modern-day Nazis on video, beating up a Jewish man. Yeah. Where is Skokie, by the way, in Illinois? I don't know. I don't either. Outside of Chicago, that's what everyone says. Just say that. Well, because <laughs> technically it is. It's outside of Chicago. Disco, can we figure out where Skokie, Illinois is? You should know. Your family's from But you've from got to be Illinois. a— They're not morons. They're doing this on purpose. Right. This, is, this is very intentional because when the White House is totally on board with the victim-oppressor ideology— and they can't deviate from that because now Jewish people are white adjacent. So there's no way they can be the victims. They always have to be the oppressors. And that's what we, what we see with the White House and the stance they're taking on, well, we really haven't seen any evidence of, you know, anti-Semitic, you know, behaviors going on. It's like, really? Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't, I just, man. I, I don't get where I don't get how you can I mean I do and that's the that's the tricky thing and that's part of the reason I'm befuddled with my comment here is I, I we talk about this all the time how they play the game and how they they say what they say and then they do what they do you have them talking about we stand with Israel we stand with our longest just like they say we we stand with the Constitution and support the Constitution you haven't read the fucking Constitution <laughs> stop it but they say these things, and then they, they come out and, and say the opposite here. And they say, we, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen evidence of that. 
but we do stand with folks who are stand who are facing extreme Islamophobia. Like guys, right? That we we don't have extreme anything in this country. Conservatives aren't extremist terrorists. We don't have extreme Islamophobia issues. We don't have extreme racism issues. We don't have extreme anti semitism All those things exist. All right. of them do. Every last freaking one of them. But none of them are this prevalent issue that's taken over. But it shows. It shows how they placate to their voter base with this. We're standing with you. We're going to send you bombs and equipment to kill Palestine and Hamas. We're also going to tell you to slow down on your revenge, even though they deserve revenge right now and should be destroying people. But, but as we say that, we're also going to totally abandon you and say we stand with you people over here and we feel like you've been subjugated yeah. to Islamophobic threats. and every, like you can't, It doesn't work both ways. Your messaging makes no sense. No, we're, we're going to continue to finance Israel with $10 billion. And for Hamas, for Hamas in Palestine, we're going to give you $6 billion, and But it's only for humanitarian aid. <laughs> and we're going to be tracking every single dollar where that is spent to make sure that it goes to the people. I like how slowly and methodically <laughs> you lean into your wink. Be well, that's because how obvious the White House is making this. They're financing both sides of this war. If you're going to tell me this is like um, back in the early 90s in giving aid to Somalia and knowing that Mohammed Farideed was in charge of all the aid that was coming in there <laughs> right. and expecting him to distribute to give it to it the fairly. people. Yeah. yeah, this is the exact same thing. Yeah. And you've got to be a fool to believe it's any different. You're absolutely right. I love uh, Whiskey Horn Alta. Her telling the truth is like saying chicken support KFC. Tom had KFC at the office yesterday. <laughs> Blast from the past. <laughs> Dude walks in like, what the hell is that? It's okay. It's 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 a stack of KFC food. Um, that happened. Disco's pulled it up. So here is is it Skokie? Skokie, yes. It is Tom. You're right. Just outside of Chicago, <laughs> just north. You got near north side there. You got Logan Square over to its west. It's just shy of Lincoln Park. So I mean, it's really it's like actually in Chicago suburb area there. Um, Chicago adjacent. So it's Chicago adjacent. <laughs> Thank you, Disco. Gentleman and a scholar. Um, so let's look at um, <laughs> this weird jacket thing going on here with Jen Psaki. Remember Jen Psaki? Remember before we had the token press secretary who got the job just because of her sexual orientation and her color? Um, <clears throat> we had Jen Psaki, who was not exactly the greatest either. Not, I, I'm pretty convinced neither of them have ever given an actual answer at a press conference but she got herself a job at MSNBC inside Jen Psaki is the show. Um, I, the worst name ever. <laughs> I change it. I take out some words. Yes. But it just how I always see that when I see the graphics. So I'm just going to keep saying it. So this was uh, her latest clip on inside Jen Psaki, um, which is like a Cinemax show from the 90s after. Oh, um, but she's talking. Remember, we talked yesterday about how Joe Biden goes to the beach. Once again, 40 percent of his, of his term has been spent on vacation, goes to the beach as the world is on fire and we're facing the prospect of World War III, and in this very short clip, she defends Joe Biden and his vacation. Take a listen. Even the clumsy efforts by the RNC and the usual suspects trying to make hay out of video showing the president and first lady walking on the beach in Delaware this weekend. By the way, he also did many, many calls with foreign leaders and even the Pope. 
Let's see the record of that. Let's see also the record of the visitors that come to his, his place, Jen, if that's actually true. There isn't. They don't there's, keep those records. Yeah, there's no visitor logs there, Tom. There's just uh, we're not doing that, yeah. Thomas. Um, but here's my take on it. Let's say that there were visitor logs. Let's say that there were call logs, which there might be. I don't know if there's call logs. I don't fucking care. I just don't. Who cares? It's all about the optics. The, the, the reality is, is you can do a lot of things, right? It's, it's modern day. You can, you can do this job from here. You can do this job from there. You can't do it as well. But like you, that's kind of the way of the world, right? But you're the president. You're the supposed president of the United States, the supposed leader of the free world. The optics aren't good. When, when shit is breaking all around the world, you have to be behind the resolute desk in the Oval Office saying shit. We have Americans being fucking held hostage, and he's cruising along the beach. He does not give a fuck about the American people. Yeah, period. End of story. And, and convince us otherwise. You could, you, someone could say, and they will, absolutely, and they have, and they've tried, and they'll continue to try. And, and for Joe Biden, it's laughable because what a scumbag he is. But they will try, and they will say, well, yeah, yeah, but. But he does care. Prove it. How? Where, where has he ever done anything? Let's look at his legislation over the last 50 years. Oh, that's right. There's none that's helped the American people over 50 years in D.C. Let's look at his response to this issue or that issue. Let's look at Afghanistan. Let's look, name the issue. Just name anything. You can't. You can't point to a single thing other than a bunch of data and a bunch of instances that leads people to believe that he hates not only Americans but America and you can't convince me otherwise. I, I, I'd, I honestly, I would like to be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I would like to be convinced otherwise too. But he came up with the uh, 1994 crime bill that disproportionately put more African American males in prison. Uh, he was a total shill for the credit card company. He he he's been wrong on every foreign policy <laughs> since he's he's been in the Senate. He let's not forget it was his wisdom to say that it wasn't a it wasn't a good plan to go kill Osama bin Laden yeah. in Abbottabad. Yeah. <laughs> Douche nozzle. I mean, <laughs> I just don't get it. I, 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 I really do. I really do get how people I'm not supporting it, but I understand why people have issues with Trump. I, I can get in their shoes for a second and and see it. I, d I don't agree with it, but I, I, I understand the points they're trying to make. I don't understand any point that anyone has ever made that's been like, just give Joe a chance. Yeah, he's, he's doing a, nice a great guy. job. He's just, he's just an old he's just old Joe from Scranton. Old lunch bucket Joe hanging in there. Old Amtrak Joe getting on that train every day going to Delaware, going <sighs> to D.C. Two million miles. Two <laughs> I stop it, Joe. <laughs> that little black boy didn't rub your legs. You didn't drive a Mack truck and you didn't ride the train that long. You're a fucking disaster and you know it. You just are. You almost turned a pirate there. Hardy hard. Hey, Disco. Good to see you. Here's a little yeah. last tip hey. to you. Little tip. Cheers. Yeah, you cheers. Um, so can we move to Georgia for a second? We're damn near in Georgia. So we're in Jacksonville, Florida. We've breaking break it. We've broken the trend. Uh, maybe I should put this gin down. We've broken the trend and we're not in DC or New York. We, we, we decided let's build the studio at the beach and let's do it in, in somewhere that actually loves America in, in Florida. 
and we're, but we're damn near in Georgia, where there's this trial going on, one of Trump's many trials. It was just a weird, I just, I just went off on a tangent, sorry. But you've got this, this trial. You had, we talked earlier in the week, maybe it was last week, doesn't matter. Sidney Powell pled guilty, copped a deal. Others going to do it. Fast forward, Jenna Ellis cops a deal. Someone who's lots, there's lots of, I, I, I look, well, let, well I'll, just, I'll share my points in a second, but there's lots of viewpoints on Jenna Ellis. You've got, You've got Laura Loomer's take on her and several others on that side. Laura, by the way, um, having Dinesh on later tonight. Actually, I think it's already happened. But you've you've got a lot of people who are very anti her. You've got a lot of people who are still very supportive of Jenna. Whatever. Pick pick your side. Pick your poison. But at the end of the day, is this the first one or the second one, Disco? This is the adder. This is the first one that I pulled. I can pull the adder if you need. Yeah, let's do the adder first. So, yeah, let's do, yeah, this one where she's standing. So she pled guilty. Jenna Ellis pled guilty in Georgia. We've got two clips for you to show here. Here's uh, her reading her apology first. We'll, we'll share this first here. Take a look. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I believe in and I value election integrity. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. For those failures of mine, Your Honor, I have taken responsibility already before the Colorado Bar who censured me. And I now take responsibility before this court and apologize to the people of Georgia. Thank you. Boo fucking who. Hey, here's my deal. I'm not, I, I know, honestly, that sounds like I'm taking sides and I kind of am. But at, at the other, at the other side, I just hate, I hate tearful apologies like that. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not opposed to tears. I'll cry at a freaking Disney movie. I, I've hunted human beings for a living and I'll cry at, at you know, a, a Disney movie with my children. I'm not ashamed of that. Don't care if, if people see a problem with that. But I hate the inset. Don't try. If you're going to cry, cry. Don't try and talk while you're crying. Also, don't totally abandon everything that you said you believed in in that statement. And apologize. I mean, that to me was a big cop out. Pleading a deal and then, and, then, and then sharing that apology and other things. So now I'm starting to tell you what I think about it. But we've got one other quick clip because here's her um, just agreeing that she can't come back on anything, that it's basically it's final, and then we'll talk about it. Here's, here's this last clip. Do you understand that you are waiving all defenses, including any mental health defenses, by entering this guilty plea? Yes. 
do you understand that if you went to trial, you would have the right to a trial by jury, to the right to see, hear, and confirm. All right, we're listening in to what is happening right now as we speak in Fulton County, Georgia Courthouse. That is Jenna Ellis with her, her, her legal representation on the right. She is one of the people who has been charged in Fulton County alongside Donald Trump. All right, so, so we've shown the videos. And, and here's the next point that I would make, and it actually ties into something that Fed said over there on Rumble. She's being forced to do this, so they will destroy her. I agree. I agree with that part. I, 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 and I think two things can be true at once. I think that there's, there's been some caving. Obviously, that's part of what happens with a plea deal. Obviously, you're doing some caving. Here's the one thing I would say to folks like Laura and some of the others out there. Laura's been on the show before. I, I, I'm not trying to beat her up or anyone else up. I, I would just say this. For anyone who judges it so easily from afar, who's not involved in this, this case, this investigation, this lawsuit, who's not facing tons and tons and tons of money and years in prison. Disbarment. Disbarment. It's a lot easier to sidle, you know, Monday morning quarterback this thing from afar than being in that situation where your life, your career, all of that is on the line. You, you got to understand that. That's not me justifying what she's doing. But you got to understand when you're petrified, scared shitless, I mean, you make different decisions than even you yourself might have thought you would make going into this. Now, Laura and a couple others made the point, too. She kept raising money on Give, Send, Go and all this for legal fees, $216,000 to cover this thing. She was going to fight to the end. Then she didn't. She just caved and copped a deal. Uh, I get that. I get that point. Are you going to give that back? Are you just going to milk that and then take the deal and take the money and, and ride off into the sunset? I don't know. That's up to you. And you got to deal with that on your own. I'm not saying any of these people. I'm not. A, I've told you, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, all those people, they're on my shit list. I, I'm not a fan whatsoever. I could go back and forth on Jenna. Um, I, I can see some good. I can see some bad. But I, I will just say you got to understand being in their shoes, and no one can understand being in their shoes until you're in their shoes. When the, when, when the government is, is crashing down on you and you want to try and still live a normal life, well, we had – Dinesh was on earlier talking about the problem that he had with the government coming in, and the yeah. government acted as if he was the enemy. Right. And whatever sentence was handed down, they thought it would be a just sentence. So it, it's – fortunately, none of us have had that experience with the feds coming in and being like, you're the enemy – you must be destroyed, and we're going to try and crush you out of existence. We want to pulverize your soul and make you wish you were never born. Yeah, That's how they approach it. So it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes who's being faced with that. No, it is. It, it absolutely is. Um, and, and people coming in sector, and Ricky Tario could have punked out, and he didn't. Absolutely. I'm not saying saying that her punking out, if we're using that term, is the right thing. I'm just saying people need to understand, and everyone's going to arrive at it, at it from a different angle and, and get to a different conclusion. When you're faced with that, people are going to change what they think. Everyone's super tough on, on Twitter. When, when, when you're facing some of this stuff, it's a different story. So I... I have my question. I, look, I have my questions about a lot of people who are so-called diehard Trumpers who, who cling to his, his leg. And I love Trump, but they cling to his leg, kiss the ring. They do all these things thinking that they're safe. 
and then something goes wrong and, and everything pivots and changes and they and they and i have a problem with thinking that anyone anyone who thinks that one person can fix everything i have a problem with that too but I've got I've got my concerns with Jenna. I don't think that Jenna's some perfect person. Some of the people that she was running around with, I had a lot of issues with. That doesn't mean inherently 100% without a shadow of a doubt that she was trash like they were, but it brings up a lot of questions. Yeah. Brings up a lot of questions. So I'm I'm not on her side in this, 100% not on her side on this, but but I also I, I just remind people, hey, like you you do have to look at where she's at. Yes, she's it appears that she's a grifter. It appears that she's selling out. It appears all those things. And I think you're probably right if those are your views. But I, also, if you haven't been in that situation, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to judge because that's a it's a shitty situation. And she probably put herself in that situation. And we're facing a government in an unprecedented fashion who hates Americans and, and abandons the law more than ever before. It's just, nothing is, nothing is clean and easy anymore. It's just not, it's, it's right. And I, I don't think, you know, just judging by that struggle, humiliation struggle session that she went through in court while reading that paper, I don't, she doesn't come across to me as somebody who has the constitution to be able to stand up to somebody. Yeah. You know, I think that when push comes to shove, she's going to she's going to buckle. And, you know, I'm not in her position, so I can't say I'm just saying for me, it just seems like this is more of her personality than, say, like um, Enrique Tario just you know, just going straight ahead and not taking a deal. I I don't, I don't see the personalities are too different, you know, and that's just how people are, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, if you're going to stand on your own moral conviction or if you're going to want to save your own skin. Right. No. And Enrique clear. I don't know Enrique. I know people who know him, uh, uh, know him, not knew him. He's not dead. He's, he's got a rough go ahead of him, but, but (sighs) He he appears to have a sack, appears yeah. to have some balls. Jenna, I think, got caught up in the whirlwind of I'm on Team Trump and I'm with him and I'm safe and I'm protected and we're pushing back, but she didn't, to your point. She just didn't have the Constitution for it. Yeah, Just not – she's just this sweet little blonde who happens to have a law degree, who happens to got roped into all this stuff and now is 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 caving. Um, they're just There just are. There's different kinds of people, man. There's different – kinds of people out there and it's i i don't like different kinds of people but i also recognize that it's a good thing to have different kinds of people yeah i there's a lot of people who just make me sick to my stomach but it's like okay there's probably a place for you in this world and and you probably think the same thing about me and i guess i can be reasonable uh every once every once in a while colty i feel for her is rocking a hard place it's a tough spot i mean it's a tough spot but uh here's what we're gonna do we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk Israel. We're going to talk. <laughs> we've got a clip. At, we're, we, we've got a clip that CNN basically there's I forget which chick it is. It doesn't matter. She's probably a dude, but it, it is is talking about how great it is that Hamas is prepared for their hostages in the tunnels to include having tampons for female hostages how how sweet are they how sweet are they we'll do that after a quick break please stick with us hit that like button if you haven't we'll be right back 
Uh, enjoy the live studio look, and we'll try not to do anything too inappropriate, and we'll be back in a flash. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Moms and dads of... Get more of Drew and This Is My Show with Coin Club exclusively on the RVM Network. Coin Club members get a This Is My Show Challenge coin, an exclusive Friday morning show for Coin Club members only, automatic entry into show-related sweepstakes, and other in-studio bonuses. Plus, members get access to all other premium content on the RVM Network and no ads on written content on redvoicemedia.com. So join the club and carry your coin with pride. Go to dbcoinclub.com. Military and first responders get 30% off their memberships. Again, that's dbcoinclub.com. Current Drew Crew members need not apply. Military and first responder discounts are available on monthly or annual memberships. All members, regardless of subscription type, are automatically entered into sweepstakes. However, challenge coins are only issued to annual members. Learn more at dbcoinclub.com. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow, Thanks, America! 
how in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening, and it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't, in some sense, working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. TWC.health is the wellness company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. Natokinase is the only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. My business partner, Jim, and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, and Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is its our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow uh, Okoa Philippi Project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all. We wanna serve good coffee to them all. And we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, that's willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. sure this is gonna be okay bro it's totally fine now open up and four oh, wait 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 where are my scripts oh what awesome thank you play through They're just baby teeth, Disco. Yes. Just baby teeth. Welcome back, folks. Final little stretch here. Hit that like button if you have not. 
already. Make sure you are subscribed here, particularly if you're here on Rumble. If you're not on Rumble, go to rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist and make sure you give us a follow. That is the best place to watch. We're glad you're watching wherever the hell you're watching. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we are the safest, protected, taken care of with our good friends over at Rumble. So go there, rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist. Um, we appreciate you being here tonight with us. Let's finish off tonight with some discussion about Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me, because according to new reports, and this I'll read part of this article here too, you've got concerns popping up about the evacuation of Americans throughout the region as everything kind of spins out of control. It says this, the Biden administration is preparing for the possibility that hundreds of thousands of American citizens will require evacuation from the Middle East if the bloodshed in Gaza cannot be contained. That according to four officials familiar with the U.S. government's contingency planning, because Biden's so good about getting people out of harm's way. It was the most successful airlift in American history. (laughs) Oh, dear God, help us. It continues. The administration, despite its forceful public support for Israel, is deeply alarmed by the prospect of escalation. And in recent days, it has turned the attention in part to the complicated logistics of abruptly having to relocate a large number of people, according to three people. We've gone from four people familiar to now three people familiar with the discussions. There were about 600,000 U.S. citizens in Israel and another 86,000 believed to be in Lebanon, when Hamas attacked, according to State Department estimates, of course, that's just two of the countries there. This this whole thing could, and I, I'm not laughing because it's it's funny, but this whole thing could pop off in a big, big way. But what is funny is the fact that you've got the Biden regime concerned about American citizens abroad, concerned about American citizens anywhere, but American citizens abroad who who are in some cases and or might become trapped behind enemy lines in conflict zones what 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 history do you, how, how can you even stand on that anything that you've done and be like well we're deeply concerned like you mean like like in afghan like in afghanistan or like in fill in the blank obviously that's the biggest example you guys are atrocious about this it, 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 go ahead tom no, they're they're atrocious at it because they hate Americans that are abroad. They hate Americans in general, and they don't want to have to do anything to help anybody out if it might cause further conflict or exacerbate a situation. So if you're stuck in one of these places, it's going to be the same thing that was in Afghanistan, same thing it was in uh, in Israel. Hey, find your way to the airport or shelter in place. Well. I- yeah, exactly. That's what's going to happen. And really, well, how it's going to really play out is you know what's going to happen. They're going to evacuate a, a sliver, a small chunk. They're going to claim victory in the, the mainstream media. This Probably this slut that we're going to show here in a second will talk about it. Um, she's not going to in this clip, but they will moving forward. They'll call this a big win, but it'll be a, such a minuscule fraction of the people who are actually stranded. They'll call it a win. And then the other ones that they're able to get out, they'll, they'll or, or, or even that small amount, they'll charge. Yeah. Here's your bill, by the way. You're welcome for for us getting you out, doing what we're supposed to do as a country for our citizens. You're going to go ahead and owe us this, that, the other for your trip home. Um, thank you for prompt payment. 
and then and then good Americans, veterans, people from the intelligence community, people from uh, the defense contracting community, people from from f- communities who actually go out and do shit, will take care of the rest because that's where we've got we've gotten to the point now, and I can't believe it. I can't. I know we've talked about it ad nauseum with with the Afghan situation and and everything that happened there. But I still can't believe to this date that myself, my colleagues, and other people, former people who no longer associate with the organization or organizations out there, had to go and do so much to get people out, and still are. Oh yeah, I, I'm. I'm admit I'm not giving myself credit for that anymore. I'm not as involved in it anymore. But there, I, I have friends and former colleagues who still are. I'm still just blown away that we had to be like, all right, we'll do it. Just random ass dudes and, and, and chicks who are living across the country saying, you're not, oh, you're, okay, you're not going to do it at all. You're not going to do anything? Got it. Okay, yeah. we'll use our contacts and our resources in the area to pull something off, even though we have no resources behind us, no support from anyone. And that's the sad state of, of American politics and just American culture where we are as a, as a whole is, hey, the government's not going to do it. And, and I think they know that, too. Like, ah, well, there'll be some former operators out there, some former other people who go and do this. And it'll some of them will get taken care of. Not all of them will die. We'll just get a couple, say it was a win, and, and you know, clean our hands of it. Right. And if, if you're the government and you're not going to do anything— don't be dicks and try and block other people. Remember when Afghanistan, when all the flights were coming in and out of there, and then all of a sudden the State Department started reaching out to different countries and say, hey, deny this plane the ability to land in your country. Yeah. It's like, all right, if you're not going to fucking help, then get the fuck out of the way, man. Right. You know, it's obvious that you hate Americans. You hate everything that America stands for. But don't be a hindrance. If you're not going to help... Stand aside, sit down, and shut the fuck up, and just you know let people who are going to do it do it. Right. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. But 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 they can and they do. Right. Because- and that's the problem. I mean, I, I remember I remember at the end, you know, we got Shafi out. Praise God, it was awesome. Book forthcoming if I can get some time to myself. But it, that happened, and there was a lot of other wins we got. There were some failures we got. Not just me and, and my buddies who were working on stuff, but other organizations that we had talked to. Because a lot of I, – I, I hate Zoom calls. I hate conference calls. I hate all of that stuff. I was sitting out back at the end of work. And this is – I'm not saying this to praise me whatsoever. I, I promise you I'm not. But I would sit out back at night with former colleagues coordinating with other groups who were working on stuff behind the scenes to figure out how we could collaborate and help each other. Okay, well, we got this family here. They're in Mazar Sharif. We got this family. They're they're still stuck in Kandahar. This one's over here in Herat. Like, how do we how do we figure this out? Just because people wanted to do stuff, but in the end, I'll be honest. In the end, one, I put so much time and resources into, and, and most mostly just emotional resources into um, getting Shafi out. And thank God we did. That I was toast, but also. This Biden administration started doing things and 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 hurting people who were doing the right thing. That was like, how is this possible? Right. Like I I'm not willing to. I I'm not. I've got I've got a business. I've got employees who work for me. I've got a family, a big ass family, and an Afghan who's now a part of that family. Right. 
I have so many expenses. Like, I can't get in trouble with the Biden administration for doing the right thing. And that's a shitty spot to be in. Yeah, well, that that's because they're not nice people that run this country. <laughs> they're not, you know, and it just it, it amazes me the the amount of people that are on the left who are like, oh, at least the mean tweets have stopped, and it's like they have no clue because unfortunately a lot of the people at the left are very weak-willed people who want the government to substitute as their parents and to provide everything for them. And if you push against that, well, you just get what you deserve. <laughs> That's so true. I, I hate it. Um, I like your accent or your voice, but I, <laughs> but I hate what you said. Uh, but, it, but it just is. That's just... That's where it is. And then back home. Back home. Last story I've got for you today. We're, we're pro- just newsflash. We're probably going to end a smidge early today, but... But last story I've got, because it's been a packed show, and we've got to get... There we go. I was going to say, we've got to get someone else watching, because it was at a perilous number there for a second on Rumble. Um, a, a satanic <laughs> number, shall we say. But uh, back home, we've got, we've got these protests. We had Bobby Barack on earlier. Great conversation with him. H- have this conversation with him about how there's protests happening all over colleges and universities. Protests happening in the streets of American cities. It's despicable. It's despicable. Not that people aren't allowed to have their own opinions, but if you boil it down to what they're actually protesting, what they're actually saying, what they actually support, it's, it is despicable. It's disgusting. And, and we talked about with him how it's good, good to let them do it, and I agree. Let them do it. Show, them, show who they are. But you've got is all there's, – there's so much dissenting information and conversation out there. And you've got our, our media who's torn because they want to support war, right? Because that's what their, their handlers in D.C. tell them to do. we got to support this. So we support Israel. On this issue, we support Israel and we support big war because the military-industrial military complex will love that. A lot of people are going to make some money. So CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all of you guys push war. But then they've got, this, they've got stuff like this, too, which— which is always confusing, and you've got this chick here, and I don't know her name. I don't care. I think that's Aaron Burnett. Is it? Okay. So Aaron Burnett will go with, I trust you, on at CNN. Um, that's how little I pay attention to CNN. I don't know half their people. But Aaron, who's talking about, hold on, and you can hear her, and you can hear the, hear the conversation between her and the anchors back in the States, because she's in Tel Aviv, talking about Hamas and how, basically— how kind they are after they murdered over 1,400 Israelis, took hundreds capture, still are, have hundreds captured. Raping are, women, beheading babies, babies, and I'm, you're trying to put a positive spin on it? Like tra- that's trying to put a positive spin on, like, pancreatic cancer. Which I hope none of you guys have uh, or that you don't know. Right, but, it, but, but you're right. I mean, it's a, it, it is like— Oh, can you believe it? They're the war- we just weeks ago, seven, whatever, four, 17 days, whatever it's been since the war started. 17 days ago, these were the most vile creatures on the planet. They jumped in, they paratrooped in, they popped up from tunnels, they murdered people, raped people, beheaded people, all these things. But now, look at how great they are. They've given tampons to people who have been held hostage. Their lives are on the line in these tunnels. Just listen to this exchange, then we'll talk about it. You know, also, Poppy, something stand out in their 
the mundane necessity, right? You're talking about tunnels. We know these tunnels have ventilation. We know that they've been known to have air conditioning. They've got, this has all been reporting that we've heard from the Israelis over the years. But the fact that she's saying she was held underground for more than two weeks, um, that there was shampoo, there was antibiotics, there was a guard per hostage in the experience she had, uh, that there were medics and paramedics, and obviously she is elderly, the other woman who was released also elderly and had medical needs, and that they had the medicine needed and if not something uh, similar to replace it, um, it is pretty stunning because you've got to contrast that with what's happening above the ground, right? Where there isn't water, never mind shampoo, okay? They don't have water. They're using toilet water. There is no morphine for any kind of uh, amputations, antibiotics, no, right? But Hamas had stockpiled all of that and has all of that underground, and that's what we're learning from her. Yeah, and to that point, Aaron, and I want to play the sound from her on this because it gets at just how prepared they were for taking hostages, including at the scale that they took them. Take a listen. They looked very well prepared. They prepared it for a long period of time. All of the needs for female, for that women needs, shampoo, conditioner. Did that surprise you? I know everyone was surprised by the scale of the actual terror attack itself, but the preparations for hostage-taking also seem to be a significant piece of the plan. Yes, when they say prepared for things, women's needs, okay, they were therefore prepared. I mean, let's just, just go ahead. I think we're being honest about it. That means they had tampons and things, okay? That is a level of preparation for what they were going to do. Right. And it shows that they were going to take people of all different ages. Right. It shows a preparation for that. And, you know, we saw that in the plans that we've seen taken from the bodies of Hamas uh, militants who were killed in the terrorist attack. You know, that it lays out what they were going to do in every single kibbutz. And it also laid out very explicitly in the ones that I've had a chance to read what they were going to do with hostages. Take as many as possible. Here's the communal uh, eating area in this kibbutz. This is where they go. This is how you get there. Here's the map. It's circled. Take the hostages there. So that was very much a part of the printed plan. And now you see the other end of it, the level of preparation that went into it. But again, in the mundane reality of having feminine hygiene products, shampoo and antibiotics, uh, it is those very specifics, I think, that are most striking. Striking. She's acting as if it, the Hamas is providing humanitarian aid for their hostages. It's almost like, what is it, Stockholm Syndrome? When you're like, um, when, when the captive develops a relationship yes. with, with, with your hostage taker, that's what CNN is like. They're, they're like, they're, they're totally on the side of Hamas, and they're like, oh, it, it's like Hamas's personal PR for, firm. Oh, look at this. You know, th this woman who's a hostage who's 85 years old has tampons for some reason. I have no idea why an 85-year-old would be in the need of tampons. It makes no sense to me. But going back to what she's saying, okay, yeah, they did prepare. They knew that they were going to take hostages and either use them as bargaining chips or human shields to be slaughtered at a later date. So let's not put a positive spin on this as far as Hamas being like some sort of humanitarian entity because because they're not right not at all not at all <laughs> I, it's, I, but it's remarkable how quick that they got there how quick aaron and cnn and other places have gotten there they're awful they're terrorists wait they're giving them tampons 
Oh. Let's just say it. They're, they're, they got tampons. We should give them the Nobel Peace Prize. But this you is... know what? Also, did did Aaron? Where was Aaron when all this was going down? And that poor woman got dragged out of the back of that car that had been raped so violently that she had blood stains all over the bottom of her pants. Never. These people that did this are absolute savages. And just the fact that they have shampoo and conditioner somehow humanizes them and takes away from the, the barbarism that they committed yeah. is, is an absolute atrocity to try it, 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 it disguise it as journalism. Right. Well, as Judy says, how about just letting them go? <laughs> Rather than... I mean, look, they've got a... It, War's tricky. I mean, it just is. I mean, we, we see that all the time. Some some people have experienced and some, some people haven't. I hope that no one ever does here at home. But but man, it is. It's just tricky. But to but to take this stance, this take that that all of a sudden it's not surprising at all. It, but he, but here here's what happens, you know, and, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you kind of the journey that I go on. And I think a lot of people did. All this happens. Right. And everyone says, oh, this is awful. Can you believe it? It looks like Red Dawn. We got a Red Dawn poster over there, by the way. Um, but can, can can you believe all this stuff happened and and what a vile thing this is how vicious can Hamas be Iran be IRGC Quds Force be Hezbollah Islamic Jihad all of these places they're they're savages and I think at points people get there because when they see that they, they get to that that understanding and then they're so easily swayed that literally someone gives someone shampoo and you're like oh they're not that bad yeah well, they might lead to to World War Three. They just pulled off the most vicious attack on Israelis and, and the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Ah, and, but, but they gave him Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, they've got tubes of Prell to pass out. <laughs> oh my God, help us, help us! It's just, <sighs> I, I, it's just, that is just the weirdest PR campaign that I've ever seen CNN engaged in. It just is. We all know that they're in the tank for this weird sort of communist global cabal. But this in particular is just, I, I don't even know how anybody could w believe a word that they're saying, especially Aaron Burnett, who's a proven liar and a proven uh, uh, PR flack for the Communist Party. And then those two douchebags who are on the set, that one kid, I have no idea what the fuck that loser is. <laughs> but he was just, he's like, he's hes a sackless unit, eunuch that was just sort of sitting there. And I'm pretty sure I could see him lactating on set. You can Sometimes you can see it through the shirt. I mean, sometimes you just can. Um, uh, we're going to see a lot of that. We're seeing it at home. We're seeing people who are sympathizing with their side. Yeah, any sympathy that people had for in the media, in, in news, had for Israel is over. Yeah. That lasted less than 24 hours. Right. Now it's going to be them being the aggressor and them being the bad people and Hamas being the victims. 100%. Well, and when you see when you see the the I mean, there's some level of of bombard aerial bombardment and probably some smaller level operations that are happening within Gaza now. But when you see the widespread invasion happen, it's going to be their conquerors, their invaders, their colonizers. They're all it, it's going to change. I mean, it has changed to your point, Tom. It's changed already, but it's going to change so fast. For, for those who haven't noticed the change, it's going to flip just like that. Because that that's how our world is. Hold on, weren't you just 
weren't you just so uh, upset and disgusted weeks ago about what happened? Yes, but. There is no but. No. The only but is, is, is this has to be dealt with. They have to be dealt with. And, uh, but, but that's not what we're going to see. Everyone is going to, to have that conversation, and it's going to be freaking awful. Freaking awful. People talk, Barb talking about how you can use tampons for wound care, which you can, and, and then sharing an example. We used, had to use a tampon on a road trip to stem a massive bloody nose. Child did not know what he had on his nose, but we had no other options in the car. There are other uses for tampons. Uh, I don't uh, think Hamas is smart enough to figure that out, nor do I think that um, the 80-year-old woman needed one, as, as Tom pointed out. There's, there's some science behind that. When I was a kid, I used to take my sister's tampons and get them wet and throw them on the ceiling of the bathroom so it looked like, you know, you're in one of those caves that, like, Ruby falls with the stalactites hanging down. Oh, dear God. <laughs> You never and did now, that? That was the last time that Rumble... Uh, That's right. You never had... You didn't have sisters. I had two brothers, yeah. I, well, I do have two brothers. Do they use tampons? No, they don't. We're, we're in all... We're, no. We're, we're one of the few families left that are, are normal. You um, need to tell me in this day and age, you do not have a brother who menstruates. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Weird. It's, it's a wild thought to think about, but it, but it is true. I want to just touch on this before we go for the day. So Wayne Dupree, who's on the the network, he's going to come on next Monday. He was he was spoke. We had some wires crossed last week, but he's going to come on on Monday night, uh, and we'll talk about a bunch of stuff. But he tweeted this out earlier. I just I'm just referencing that because I love Wayne, and Wayne's a great guy. But you've got the Speaker of the House saga still going on, right? Still very much a, a an active hostage negotiation happening up in dc but the one democrat is out which one tom emmer is he yeah he pulled out okay well because that that's what i was going to say and I, I this is old news because i i pulled it right as we were going on the air and he, basically you had 20 so he was going to be put up for it and then you had 26 who already said no we're not voting for him right so it was dead on arrival right because you can only have five yeah and you had Trump who came out today who said the only person who could get the 217 needed is Jesus, which I think I actually I think he's wrong because the left would never vote for Jesus. But I, I think that a lot of people on the Democrat side would have voted for Emmer because he is lockstep in line with their agenda. The only thing that leads me to believe that there was something more to this and possibly like a you know, Denny Hastert type scandal. You brought up Denny Hastert a lot this week, by the way. Just saying. I'm not not judging. I'm just because I, he's a loathsome creature. And and uh, uh, Dick Cheney was trying to push him as Speaker of the House. And DC is all about leverage until you have leverage that eventually will get out that they can't use against you. You know, like if you're if you're somewhere and you know, somebody in the DNC sends a prostitute, you know, and you have them for the night and they know they, they've got dirt on you. Right. That that's one type of leverage. But when it's coming, it, it, when there are rumors and so forth, and then there's rumblings about, you know, there was a bus boy that, you know, may or may not have been groped by somebody, you know, then it becomes OK you know what, you stay over here in your lane because this is probably true, 
and none of us are going to support you in in moving forward because your stink is going to stay is going to transfer to us if we support you yeah i agree well and i think you're right on ember i think that there could have been some you know there was 26 you had i'm not going to just sit here and read the whole list but you had eli you had mtg you had gozar you had ronnie jackson thomas massey you had Corey mills nels who's in um, Dinesh's film, uh, you should check out Police State. You had uh, Scott Perry, Chip Roy, Keith Self, Greg Stubbe. Um, Eli was in there. I thought I saw at one point. You know what? You don't hear much of Stubbe after he fell off his roof. It, it's so weird, right? I don't even know how he's doing. I mean, he's good enough to go back to work, but you, you used to see him a lot doing doing media. You did? No, he kind of had a, a rise. I'm pretty... I'm, Sounds so bad, but in the in the old days in the the show, which we're ramping back up on guests. Obviously, it's been a hot week in guests already. We've had four amazing guests, and it's only Tuesday. We got Cameron Kinsey coming on tomorrow. We got Scott Pressler coming on Thursday. But we used to do tons of guests, and I'm almost certain Stubby came on at one point. And that sounds like a dickish move to be like, I don't remember if he's been on or not. But there's a lot of folks from Florida who came up. Byron Donalds has been on. You know, a lot of those folks have come on or, uh, earlier in their career. They probably won't now because we make fun of everyone. But um, <laughs> but we got we got them on there before uh, before they were like, oh no, um, you guys are just mean to everyone. But but I, I think I think it would have um, and and Magellan agrees. Uh, Emmer would have gotten some dem votes, but also says we dodged a bullet. I agree. It's oh, I totally. Agree I mean, it would that. not have been good at all if he had won, but. <clears throat> But I, I don't think I go back to. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, I. At this point, I don't know who can win. I mean, again, we hate each other as a country. We understand in D.C. and and folks in D.C. as dumb as most of them are, understand how the system works. Getting the the required amount of votes, I think it could be a while. But it, and and Trump said. I mean, I said earlier he joked about only Jesus could get the two seventeen. I would say that because the Democrats hate christ and and faith so much that i don't even know that he would these days but he then said i think that we're close we'll get someone here soon i don't know that i agree with that i don't know that we are close that there's there's a lot of lines in the sand and i don't see who could actually pull it off what if this comes back to mccarthy oh my god no no i don't want that tom i don't want that either but it just seems like it I mean, that's got to be a possibility. What if we get Pelosi again? Dear God, no. Shut up, Disco. Yes. Pelosi. Don't you come out of nowhere and say Pelosi up in here. Um, Pelosi. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know anymore. Pelosi I'll... is Italian for vulgar lush. <laughs> it is. <laughs> She's the Nancy Sonoma of Washington, D.C. I mean, why not? We we don't you know we think that Doug Bur- Burgum's not going to win the you know the primary. So what if we just get Doug Burgum to be to be the speaker, or if we just get his eyebrows to be speaker? Right. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Perfect. An imaginary gavel and some eyebrows. It'd be great. I still think Joe Rogan is the best pick. <laughs> he might be. He might he might be the best pick. Um, we don't have great options. He wakes, um, he makes way too much money for that gig though. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he he would never leave his current gig. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Disco? No, 
No, I'm sorry, Doug. We didn't want you to be the speaker of the house. We want your eyebrows. Just your, uh, <laughs> just your, your ocular hair. I don't know if that's a proper term, but it's fantastic. All right, folks. It's been an amazing uh, Tuesday night. We've had a good time. We've had a good time. We've had an outstanding audience, outstanding guests. We're so damn grateful for each and every one of you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Please do hit that like button if you have not. Please, if you're here, especially if you're here for the first time, please hit that subscribe button on Rumble. Wherever you are, make sure that you come back and join us. We're Monday through Thursday. We're 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We always have a good time. We're not always appropriate. We always have liquor. What are some no, some some always, always don'ts that we can throw in there? I don't know. I feel like I covered a lot of Always them. take your vitamins, wear your seatbelt. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless you're in a war zone. I frequently didn't wear my seatbelt in a well, war zone no, just for egress. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I got yelled at it for yesterday. Bad habits. My wife's like, are you not wearing your seatbelt? I'm like... I did it in Afghanistan. <laughs> I put it on because I love her, and she 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 has lots of power, uh, as as most men know. Um, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate Dinesh coming on. Make sure you go to policestatefilm.net. Uh, Make sure you go to outkick.com. Follow all the articles that Bobby Barack is doing there, uh, as well as both of them on social. Could, tomorrow, can we please talk about <laughs> Dwight Howard? The story is getting weirder and weirder. We'll talk about Dwight Howard tomorrow. <laughs> we'll have Cameron Kinsey on. Used to be at OAN doing some amazing stuff now. She's been on the show multiple times. Um, just great friend, beautiful, smart. She's She's got all, all that stuff going. She's going to be on tomorrow night with us. We're excited about that. Thursday night, uh, as I said earlier, Scott Pressler, who's doing amazing things in the conservative movement, is going to be on. So great week going to be a great week the rest of the week we appreciate you guys being here we hope to see you tomorrow hit that like button the way out have a great night be safe be smart be free